I was probably like three. So that's wild. What'd you know about Lego, Miguel? Were you a Lego kid? Were you a punk boy? I, nah, not really. I was a, more of a action figure kid. So I used to have freaking Power Rangers. Power Rangers was my thing. I used to have the Ninja Turtles, all the the little green soldiers like from Toy Story and stuff like that. Or so you know the pain of having owned something that nowadays would be worth like thousands of dollars, huh? Pretty much. Yeah. Can you bring the mic it's up a little closer. <laughs> Fair enough. And see, what's crazy about that is that like. Kids these days aren't really going to have that same experience. Like, I feel like nowadays we, like, our generation would be a lot more knowledgeable about that kind of thing. But nowadays, kids' toys is literally, like, social media, like, TikTok and fucking iPads and stuff like that. And it's all going to be, like... That's why there's no more Toys R Us. Yeah. Oh, God, bro. When I saw that, I'm like, damn, there goes childhood. Childhood childhood is over. I think another aspect of it is that... Watch iPad go old and die. A lot of... When it comes to actual physical toys, there's, uh, at least when it comes to, like, Lego, right, there's, it's way, they, they, there, there's no, like, limited quantity anymore when it comes to, like, those type of toys. Like, back in the day, it was a lot more limited, and if you had it, you had it, and once that season's over, they stop selling it, right? Mm-hmm. Now they'll have sets on the shelves for, like, a year, uh, uh, and... They'll have like millions of copies of it, so everybody yeah. got one. Basically, if you miss the wave, you could still go back and get it. But like older sets, they don't. It's like quantity that they produce, you know. Yeah. Hear more on our episode with R.S. Slugger. How you doing, Miguel? <laughs> I feel like we just kind of like we could have had this whole conversation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we, I'm so- a little reverse, I tried. but it's yeah. all good. We, we, you know, that's how we gonna give it yeah. to them. What were, what uh, would you say? Like anything that you did as a kid, kind of like led you into like what you're doing now in music at all? Oh, hundred percent. Good segue. Hundred percent. Yeah. Oh, like like how it routed right into that. Um, definitely hundred percent. Uh, ever since a kid, my my older brother, which is like fifteen years older than me, so mm, um, that's always a good. Yeah, yeah. That's clutch. Let's just say that Good I part. was a little three-year-old, four-year-old little shithead running around with fucking tube socks that were <laughs> longer, like <laughs> running around they were black and shit too. <laughs> the tube socks were dirty as hell. But um, my brother, oh, they were, <laughs> like they were white when it, you right? bought, I, like they were white when they bought them. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I was trying to paint the whole visual right now. <laughs> no, I, I hear you. Um, but my brother used to DJ also, and uh, he used to play a lot of uh, New York style house. He used to scratch a lot of uh, hip hop. He used to do um, a lot of competitive. Uh, Scratch battles and stuff like that's that. Sick. Mm. Yeah, that's sick. Yeah, cool. and that's yeah. back in the, like if he's fifteen older than you, that's back in the day. That's OG oh, yeah. status. This is a uh, two twelve hundreds and a uh, freaking <laughs> mixer. Yeah, yeah, basically bone bones and uh, what is it? Just bare bones, basically. Yeah. This is the you get that's the foundation of of it all, basically. DJ, um, sick. But he's uh, throwing lots of parties and me running around when I was like four years old. And they played a lot, of, a lot of house music too. So I just remember a lot of stuff like uh, CNC Music Factory, where um, you know that's, that was really big in New York back in the days with that Latin uh, tribal house rhythm and all that. Mm. Um, and um, all the way into the morning, you know, like that we would just party inside my apartment. And my apartment was a one-bedroom apartment right in Queens, New York, and um, we used to just throw big parties. And I was. Young as hell, I'd go to sleep right in the other room with the music still pounding, <laughs> and um, 
that that's pretty much what uh i guess how it's embedded in me um i didn't actually start dabbling with music up until i was like 11 12 and uh before you get into that okay yeah. let's do the real official intro okay the podcast yeah. Ghost on the Ox. I don't say the numbers anymore because sometimes they come out out <laughs> of order. <laughs> this is Ghost on the Ox. Whatever episode this is, you'll see in the title. I am your host, Devin. With me today, Trey. Me. And with me today is introduce Miguel. yourself. Miguel, you can follow me on Instagram at Groovy Promo. Um, you can follow my artist page at Miguel Finesse. All spelled correctly, I guess. <laughs> okay, you did change it. Cause I went to I looked up Groovy Barber the other day and he wasn't there. I'm like, mm. did he consolidate? Groovy Barber is no more. Um, or, you know what? I, I, <laughs> I decided to um scrap Groovy Groovy Barber and really focus everything on Groovy Promo. Um Groovy Promo as a hole where I'm just throwing underground music parties uh, all around Florida, basically. That's probably smart to, to just consolidate like that because it's yeah. less, mm -hmm. less confusing for people to contact yeah. you and organize with you and whatever. So um, I always had Miguel Finesse as a little Instagram. That was always my like personal one. Um, so now I'm actually turning that into more music and putting myself out there. Uh, more so where... I just have a source where people can reach me, contact me, book me, um, and I have, a, I guess, a, a page to show for who I am, basically, outside of Groovy Promo, because Groovy Promo doesn't have a face to it, but Miguel Finesse does, pretty much. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I decided to scrap that pretty uh, recently, and um, more so also because a lot of people use their, uh, their actual uh, government names to you know, as their artist names and stuff. Um, so that's why I wanted to go with Miguel. And then Finesse is the, I just feel like every, everything, uh, the arts, everything that I dabble with to get into, I try to do it with Finesse and with intricacy and uh, mm. try to put my best uh, quality into it in everything that I do, whether it's music, art. Yeah, everything that you do do is, uh, phrasing, everything that huh. you are, do you, you do take part in uh, does require a good amount of finesse, whether it be like the DJing uh, and the barbering, which, by the way, uh, not for anything, but would you happen to be equipped to bless me up at some point today? I remember that was a thing. I forgot to mention it <laughs> previously. Know, I, unfortunately, I didn't bring anything right Damn. now. But I will be back during the week, so we'll, we'll make it happen. Word, yeah, uh, now let I'll, me know when you're in town. Oh, yeah, like, for sure. Yeah, because yeah, this is starting to, now that it's starting to grow out, it's starting to become a little more, up. Yeah, it's starting to become <laughs> a little more obvious how bad I am at cutting my own hair, you know. You did it yourself? We don't yeah. get Trey fresh up in here. Oh, yeah, it's, it looks nice for, for doing it yourself. I had a mirror in the back, like, doing front mirror, back mirror, trying to, like. I did not realize shit. you did it yourself. Yeah. You know, hey, you know, I got I got finesse, finesseful hands, you know, <laughs> finesseful well. hands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing but finesse in the room, ladies. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh shit! Sorry. My bad, no clapping, right? <laughs> um, what came first, DJing or barbering? Bar barbering, barbing. How do you say that? Barbenheimering. <laughs> barbering, Um DJ music. Uh, I've always. I, I first got into. All right, so how we got into music was um, my cousin. You know, my brother always did music, but um, it wasn't up until later. You know, my brother was doing music at three, four years old. It wasn't up until 11, 12 years old where um, I was brought into my cousin's studio uh, in Jamaica, Queens. And um, 
He had an MPC, had the turntable, had his whole studio set up. And um, him, my cousin and my brother would go out to the back and go smoke. They'll leave my ass inside the studio. Obviously, I was still young, so I was smoking back then. But um, they'll leave my ass in the studio. So it's um, like, damn, they're they're gone for a long pee break. Oh yeah, might as well start tinkering <laughs> yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that was a long talk, you know. <laughs> but shit, I wasn't complaining. Um, that's where I really got to dabble with. Uh, he had a 2000 XL. Um, he himself had like um, Technics also some 1200. So and he had a shit ton of of records like. Crates, milk crates filled with records mm. all up along the wall, and um, I, the the first thing I started with was uh, sampling and um, pretty much grabbing pieces from records and turning it into a, a whole hip hop beat because I was first yeah. into hip hop. Uh, majority of of my first introduction into music was hip hop. Uh, kind of went into reggaeton a little bit. Um, my thing is, I, I I'm more of a hip hop head and a house head, a, a techno head. Um, so I felt like uh, with, with hip hop, I wanted to. It, it, it was to a point where I wanted to put out my true art, and that's when I started dabbling with um, techno and um, house, and got myself at at that point got myself. Um, I had my whole little setup. Uh, I had a little 2000 as well, or 1000, the little blue one, MPC 1000. Mm. Had a little meat MIDI keyboard and all that, knocking them out there. And um, trying to make placements. Um, and this was, uh, let, me not, let me not try to like scatter too much, but when I um, got into techno and, and house music, it really started off as an me partying and uh it was me indulging in the music at that point was i it, wasn't so it was mostly you 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 like throwing parties and showing off what you made to like friends around you type of thing yeah yeah um hey everybody to, come over bring some drinks I, i'll play some <laughs> tunes that's full, honestly the best place circle. to start that kind of thing though because then you're like you're coming at the creation process from the field from the yeah. point of the person who is consuming it. So you have yeah. that perspective when you're actually full, creating the full thing. circle because then it turned into me throwing the parties in my apartment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so that same one bedroom apartment that my brother used to throw parties at, you know, how many years later, 15, 20 years later, now I'm throwing parties in the apartment. <laughs> and um yeah, I used to do that exactly. Um shout out to one of my best friends Tina, uh, one of my, my childhood friends, uh, we grew up together pretty much, and um, let's just say that I made her cry during one of my one of my parties that I, I basically did temp- Tempest status where I had all my hardware out there and I did everything live. <laughs> hey. No shit. Oh yeah. Word, oh, yeah. I didn't know you, were do- you did that kind of th- stuff too, and that's, that's crazy because I was going to ask, like, I'm really happy to hear all this because I was going to ask, like, what your background was in actually, like, ma- making music, but it seems like that's where you got your start at yeah yeah so that's cool especially um, in that context so Huge. It, it was mainly production for me uh dj really djing really came more in the later years where i started indulging in the whole party and the scene and all that and at that point i was i started to do parties for myself all right in my apartment we used to go to um pacha uh pacha new york and uh that was pre- i used to call it the devil's playground mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like a four-story building big warehouse and um 
uh, just straight house music, like house heaven, basically. And um, we used to frequent that a lot in our in our younger years when I was like right around like eighteen, nineteen. And uh, what, we, what we used to do, we used to buy the tickets were so fucking expensive back then too, man. We used to buy tickets for like sixty, eighty bucks to go in because we were under twenty one. We used to have to wait till mm. after four a.m. And, we're up. You guys slipped the door guy at 20. You know? <laughs> pretty much, yeah, yeah pretty much. See, we're fucking up giving these people all this shit for free. <laughs> right, <laughs> right? What? Five bucks at the door? Nah, fuck these, that, bro. It's fucking... These people are spoiled, bro. Because, <laughs> oh, like, I imagine there is a certain, like, air to that where it's like, oh, well, it's, it's five bucks at the door. It's like, yeah, a courtesy thing for these amateurs, whatever the fuck. But then you start charging $60 at the door on a ticket that um, an artist that nobody's ever heard of. Cause then, you know, that's more of just like a, huh? Well, that, uh, that was, that was a big difference. I, um, we used to go see some pretty big DJs, um, really big New York DJs, like DJ Boris. Oh, okay, um, okay, that makes a lot more sense. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, Jonathan Peters, uh, Danny Tanaglia, DT. So we used to see these these big house DJs, and, and you know, we that, that's the, that was the reason why we paid so much, because it was, these Fair were, enough. like, big DJs, and then they would bring out some European talent as well, so it was, it was, uh... Word, oh, yeah. that makes a lot more sense, yeah. Uh, Pacha was definitely a vibe. It, it doesn't exist anymore. I don't know if it's a new club now or they turn it into something else. But Pacha was definitely a, a whole, I guess, what space is in Miami. Pacha in New York was pretty much the same thing. Mm. Parties used to go up until like 3 p.m., 4 yeah, p.m. A, lo- a lot of those spaces uh, died out after the anti-rave laws passed, like kind of nationwide, and a lot of the areas where they were like the most prominent, mm-hmm. like after yeah. the, like, the, in the late 90s, early 2000s. Well, because like that, right? yeah. aside from yeah. like barns and shit, w- place, the most ideal places for these parties are like in the areas where they don't want them to be. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I've noticed that where a lot of them are now are like the especially down south in Miami, I realized that a lot of the ones that aren't, like, on the Strip or South Beach or anything like that that are, like, club clubs, like, established, you know, rich people-only type type beat, uh, most of them are in warehouses. Mm. So, like, warehouse districts, yeah. like, you know, just boxes with electrical outlets in them, you know, something to protect you and your equipment from the elements and to, like, you know, keep people in uh, that are just kind of, like, renovated into clubs uh, so like something and like a big one that just opened up recently. Shout out the the lab, Shay Kensler, uh, and his Swamp Thing sound system that this absolute mad lab built by hand. Uh, that they just opened up uh, somewhere down south. I forget exactly where. I, I want to say Google that shit. Yeah, Google that shit. Uh, the, uh, the lab, South Florida, um, Swamp Thing sound system, huge. They just opened up recently, and that's nice. like to see that. And he he came actually here. don't Google it. Um, don't go it. True. Yeah, keep that shit underground. Don't let Google know. <laughs> nah, but, uh, you know, like, the, he's, uh, that's that was really, really cool to see. Because uh, I met him not too long ago. Last last year, I met him for a, a Dubs Giving, like, a pop-up show. Dubs Giving. Literally, yeah, it was this, like, show that Pete Ty Jesus was on uh, with Fitz. Uh, Dub Tart was on it. And one other guy, I think it was, like, he DJed a little too shaded. Um, stepped on this is artist's name. Uh, he <clears throat> he uh, they did like this pop up thing at like some Jupiter park, some park out in Jupiter, like a public park. 
like with just a bunch of people there. They just brought the sound system and the ex DJs. That's cool. Yeah, and just threw it. They advertised it. They didn't approve it with anybody. They just uh, do it. Which, which they just popped up and did that. Easier to ask for forgiveness than 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 permission. Sometimes. Well, that's the, that's literally what happened because <laughs> like in, like an hour and a half into it, uh, like right before Fitz finished up his set, I think it was the uh, Park Rangers came through, and uh, he was yeah. just like. Uh, it seemed like I don't know what the conversation was, but all I do know is that he was hashing it out with them long enough for fifth to finish his set. Uh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> which was which was like baller. Uh, and then we basically just like moved it to his apartment like afterwards. Apparently there was some like apparently the big dispute was like those de- having the decks out there and per- show- doing that kind of performance out there. You needed a license to perform it in a public place like mm. that. I'm sure you, you're familiar with those kinds of regulations mm-hmm. by now. Yeah, it happened right? to me. Um. I did a beach pre-party for um, Tricade. He's a DJ out in Orlando, plays a lot of tech house. And um, I did a beach pre-party. It was a three-hour party. And um, right before, like, two-and-a-half-hour mark, they pulled up on me and was like, hey, you ain't got to shut it down right now, but uh, you can't do none of this. Mm-hmm. And they pretty much told me that all the speakers were okay. It was the turntables that turned it into a whole event. And if it's an event, I need permits. Huh. Yeah. So which so, is weird. Exactly. Because, so, so, that's so, pretty much what they what he so was told So if you to. just pulled up with a laptop in the speakers, you'd be I Exactly. Yeah, that's what, yeah. And that's what I was confused about, too. I was like, wait a minute. So it really, got here. <laughs> it's just the decks that was well, like yeah. really fucking it all up. But yeah, that, long story short, exactly I, what told me. Yeah, I, I guess it. that kind of makes sense in a way because it's mm-hmm. like, like you said, it's it's a at that point it is a live performance. Yeah, it's like more of a production. Yeah. Where exactly? Yeah. Whereas you're actually doing something. Whereas if you just had a phone or laptop or something plugged in playing stuff, then it's just like ah, they're just listening to stuff. Exactly, that makes yeah. sense. We're just like. Advanced listening to things. Advanced guys. listening. It, it's advanced listening. That's gonna be involved. The title. It's not performing. It's in, involved. It's curating. It's advanced curation of music for us all to enjoy. <laughs> I think advanced yeah. listening is gonna be our title this episode. Yeah, advanced <laughs> listening. Yes. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, but yeah, long story short, I haven't ta- I haven't like kept up with him too much since then. But like less than a year later, this dude has like a whole ass venue down south, like near Miami, with a giant ass hand built sound system. Like what the fuck. Nice. So that's huge, and that's really cool to see, and I'm hoping that that's, like, a growing trend because I really want – like, my mom had me when she was really young. She had me when she was 19 in 1995. She was at, like – she was one of those, like, early-on rave kiddies. She was at, like, the first five ultra music festivals and shit. She was, like, hard into the scene. Uh, and so I was raised around that kind of music. You and might I have been hear- conceived at a festival. No, I wasn't. Oh. Uh, I know how that, that – it was way less exciting than oh. that. Uh, <laughs> Uh, shout out flu medication. Anyway, don't worry about it. We'll leave it uh, at that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I uh, I grew up around that kind of stuff, and I heard all the stories that she had about the stuff that she experienced, like going to those clubs and like all the shit she would see, the artists that she saw. I see like their stickers, like, um, you know, Rabbit in the Moon, Jacqueline Hyde, and all these like other like kind of like legendary acts that she just like saw, you know, like we would see like mm-hmm. certain acts nowadays that and it's like it was it's really uh, uh, to have been born just after like like to where I'm old enough to where most of that stuff died out like a few years before I could have like even it's thought like, about like getting involved in it was really unfortunate it's like that saying of born too late to explore the ocean, to explore the world born too soon to explore space 
Born just right to enjoy techno. Yeah, exactly. To, Born to, just too late yes. to see the great. Yeah, to see dank to see memes, great. I think was the quote on that one. <laughs> yeah. You have to browse dank memes. Um, but yeah, like what would you say that that's something that you're trying to or that you would be interesting in pursuing at some point? Or do you want do you want to like just keep running circuits or would you want to like kind of establish a venue at some point? I would say that that would be the end goal. Uh for the main reason that, um, all right, let's say uh, me as a barber. The reason why I got into barbering is because I, I you know, I don't have a boss. Basically, I do whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I hustle. BC. I got to yeah. work with it, work for mine, pretty much. Um, it's a good gig. So for that, pretty much uh, translating translating that into the whole music industry, music world. My my end goal is to really uh, build. I wouldn't say for myself but build um something that i have control of or groovy promo has control of you know there's no third party there's no mm-hmm. no middleman there's nobody in between that will pretty much mess with anything you know so at the end of the day Can we, i pitch you an idea yes yes always business it's just called groovy and it's barbershop by day club at night oh oh See, I like the way you think. Man. Just, call, just, call it, just call it groovy. That's all it needs to be called. Groovy, yes, yes. That's huge. And it's like that would be. So, oh man, the my D and D brain going crazy. The theater of the mind, where it's just like because there's a kava bar right that uh, is opened up down south. I forget what it's called, but like you open up a room. It's like a room, right? It's like a room about this big, right? But there's like a secret door. Ooh. Right, it's like a bookshelf that you open up, and there's like this whole extremely lavish, like high-end kava bar that's yeah. like five times larger than the front building. Weird. So it would be cool to have that, like if it was just groovy, like during the daytime, just looks like you know everyday, like average, maybe above average, you know, like barber shop, like a nice one. But then at night, you know, it would be like cordoned off, and at the far end of the room, oh, you know, a door. wall would open, and there's just a whole club in the background, oh, yeah. bro. Oh, be sick, yo. Or crawl through the dryer. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the jar lifts up like in Breaking Bad. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, oh dude, it's a whole other underworld, pretty much, right? That's, that's about as underground as it gets. Yeah. Oh yes, oh yes. Hold on, that's I must a... complain to the Smash players to keep it down. I'll be right back. So, um, so you're, you're talking about your end goal is probably would probably be venues and stuff like that. How how long have you been? Doing what you're doing now, like comp- uh, compiling artists and uh, running a circuit and doing shows different places. Okay, um, specifically with Groovy Promo, I started that about three months ago. Okay. Uh, my first official event was uh, April 21st in Port St. Lucie. And then uh, from there, it just kept snowballing. Wow. And uh, it was me just getting out there trying to see who would who would bite, who would bite the bait. Uh, so it's kind of a relatively young venture oh, yes. as under Groovy Promo. Yes, okay. yes. Like I said, I've always done music. Music has been a big uh, part of okay. my background. Um, but with this specific... Uh, so how I started Groovy Promo was um, me diving back into the music industry as a DJ. Mm-hmm. You know, And I quickly realized that everybody's a DJ nowadays. Yeah. You know, yeah. everybody and their mother's a DJ, bedroom DJ, whatever DJ you want to call it. My dog was making beats the other night. Yes, <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know what? They probably made better beats than a lot of these DJs out there. <laughs> but no comment. No comment, no comment, right? <laughs> <laughs> I plead the fifth. 
I plead the visit. <laughs> you just remind me of some Dave Chappelle right there. Yep. Dave Chappelle <laughs> classics. I love it. Yep. Oh, yeah. Word. Um, shit, I lost the train of thought, bro. <laughs> uh, it started out with, like, with DJing and how like everybody's Start, DJ. Starting off with uh, the DJing. Um, realized everybody was a DJ, so I quickly asked myself, what am I going to do to separate my, or to stand out from the rest of the crowd? Mm-hmm. Um Important question everybody should ask themselves. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. You know, because I, I quickly realized that, you know, it, it, it's really cutthroat out there. Everybody is, you know, trying to get a piece of the pie, mm-hmm. trying to get their hand. Even if they're spinning to nobody, they, you know, they're trying to be at that spot. And um, I didn't want to throw myself into that mix. Uh, so what I ended up, you know, Master plan. Went to the to the to the bulletin board and started thinking. You know, what am I gonna do? And I started thinking how old techno heads. You know, like Carl Craig, um, Kevin Saunderson, or you know, Detroit heads, where they they pretty much started off by doing parties, little raves, just a little. You know, they'll rent out a little room, rent out a little warehouse, and just throw the parties. They mm-hmm. you know put their beats up, and it was their unique sound. Just to get ears on it. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that exposure, you know, and and it was around that time where it was, you know, that rave culture was very very big, but that was going on all around the world, you know. It wasn't just in Detroit. Uh techno, you know, obviously big big uh big uh pioneers came from Detroit, but we had people over in Germany, we got people all around the world, all around the world that put out some insane techno. Um but I I focused on Detroit because Detroit and um, Richie Houghton as well. He's over right across Detroit, uh, Windsor, Canada. Mm-hmm. And um, they all started off the same exact way. Mm. They started off doing their own parties, promoting their own parties. And um, look at them today. Look at them today. And, and they're huge megastars today. Not necessarily, you know, they're not famous celebrities or whatnot, but in that realm of, of They're big in EDM, their fields. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Huge, huge heads. And that's something that I feel like a lot of people who make music, like whether they're DJing it or not, people who make music in an electronic scene nowadays, what they don't understand is that like most music is only stands out or is memorable in context. Like music. You got to connect something with it. Yeah. Music is an additive to the human experience. Music is what decorates time. Is you know how I think about it, which is part of why I named myself what I did, uh, you know. And so like that's and so I love to hear that because that be, alluding to what I was saying before earlier, you and I are trying to. I was thinking about this in my head. I don't want to say chasing the same the same dragon because it's not like like we're doing it right. Like yeah. the the board is a little bit different, but the methodology is pretty much the same. So we're kind of like we're breeding the same dragon here. We're we're, we're bringing that <laughs> we're breeding we're, dragons. Yeah, up. we're we're we've collected the amber with the dragon. DNA and we are using <laughs> modern technology to bring it back uh, you know from those scraps you know utilizing the methodologies of the great ones before us very elaborate metaphor yeah. I like it but it's it's true though because it re- <laughs> there really is something to be said about you yeah. know curating your own vibe and your and having that control over like what you're trying to do especially if you're trying to make music for a very specific kind of you know, thing. It's all part of the theatrics of it, Mm -hmm. you know? And if like you're not connecting your music to a a piece of media or, you know, some like particular event. Creating an experience around it. Exactly. Yes. Yes. It's not just a party. Exactly. Um, And like 
basing off of what you were saying about the whole, uh, you said something about the, the flyers and connecting that to um, when I used to go clubbing, right after we would leave, they would give us big flyers. They weren't even four by sixes. They were like eight by tens, eight, you know, eight by 11s um, flyers of the next event. And they were some real fancy flyers, you know, some real, mm -hmm. like, it was like some poster flyer where I would want to like- You can collect it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, something tangible to connect yes. to it even. That's, yeah, that's the, uh, yeah. Exactly. And just like you said, you connect that, the flyer to that time of your life, to the music that was playing, to, you know, all, exactly. And uh, that's another thing to that what I, you did that night. You yes. Know? Yeah, and that's yeah. another thing that I have that I see like people who get caught up in this like DJ meat grinders that they'll be on these, po there'll be these posters with, you know, psychedelic background 1478.jpg in the back, you know, and then like a dozen names on it. You know, and they're all super tiny and they all look exactly the same. And this yeah. is no one in particular. This is just seems to be like the industry standard right now. You know, and I like yes. and like I it, agree. that and I feel like that does like it does it a little a lot of de like disservice because it does come across as like very generic, you know, versus I'd do some wild know. shit. I'd put my name on the back. <laughs> like not even yeah. <laughs> just you have to look for it you know what I'm saying or you yeah. happen or like the oh. in the cor bottom corner really tiny yeah just say <laughs> you want to see something cool and then it just says yeah. page and they have to like look up at it yeah. it's like come yeah. here this day that's, that's lit that's actually a great idea honestly um, but, pull sorry. the tab and it'll reveal it yeah, yeah. <laughs> no but like um but that's what I was trying to do. Like I had, like for the first moments in time show, right? Like I had like sort of a generic. I had, it was like a motion graphic <coughs> had like moving backgrounds and the artist logos, and that was like you know cool and whatnot. But the second one, I commissioned. That's why I commissioned Malice for, and that he, that man cranked out an iconic flyer for that mm. show in like a night, you know. And that's like, but it, it was so. Have you seen it? You know what we're talking about? No. You should show him if yeah, you got it saved. Uh, so it's like. What I was going for, and the reason why I went like with Malice is because like I knew that he would like nail that kind of that punk ethos. Yeah, you know, like that. Uh, I feel like I feel like the people who do this the best to this day, like EDM shows, due to how oversaturated it is, I think that that kind of led to a lot of why it, you know, has kind of become so monotone in the marketing and why everything has become so. Um, <sighs> standardized I guess for lack of a better word but something like this yeah. you know is okay. a lot more akin to like uh, flyers you would see and like punk shows and metal shows and yes. you know real underground hard rock shows something that's like not necessarily something that's like a little bit more jarring that catches the eye and has like a lot of intrigue and detail to it to where you want to look at the art you know and then it has a very it has a certain flavor to it whereas I feel like EDM scene is like a mishmash of a bunch of different aesthetics and cultures together exactly. competing for yeah. each other and it kind of just manifests into standardization. Yeah, and it's <laughs> like in in each, you know, company has like their own standard like within this framework, you know, that kind of sets them apart from the other one, but at the end of the day, they still it all still suffers from the same kind of simplicity that, you know, takes away from that flyer that marketing being part of the experience, like he alluded to with having that physical piece of paper, you know, or you with having to like do, take part in the marketing, you know, and like have, being impressed, not like, oh, that's like cool, but having, witnessing something that leaves an impression, whatever that may be, mm -hmm. yeah. you know? 
that's why I feel like the, uh, the this approach, you know, and having that vision, like able to see, like how important that is. Like every little piece, like adds to the overall experience. You know, that makes these things really special. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that's why I feel like you and I, like when I saw what you were doing, and I see your flyers because you don't do that. Your flyers are all unique for all the different events that you do. You know, and we, uh, you know, I see literally we're, we're like we just met doing the same exact shit, like with the same vision at the same time, like serendipity, you know, it was, it's pretty wild. And so it's interesting Full to circle. hear that, like, yeah, that even <laughs> like, like having a more like deep technical conversation about our ethos, like there's still yeah. like, it, it's all lining up, you know, which is really oh, neat. Yeah. If oh, I could yeah. pivot a little bit, I want to rewind just a little bit. So before you started the groovy promo as a brand and things and started doing that, what was your grind like leading up to that? Were you still DJing and Music stuff? Music-wise? Yeah, well, mm -hmm. every, well, yes, but otherwise also. What? Like, were you just DJing on your own, trying to get into different shows and stuff? Or were you, like, what was what was that like? Yeah. And I how mean, long? I still cut hair. Um, you know, that's my 9 to 5, basically. That's my mm -hmm. bread and butter. So, um... But outside of cutting hair, uh, as far as music-wise, what have I been, uh, you know, what led up to that? It was definitely... Um, I actually never got booked. So fuck, I, I'll book myself. I booked myself. Oh my God, my yeah. God. that's legit, so, <laughs> bro. I uh, I booked myself, um, and I, that's what led up to that. And I, again, I didn't get booked because I quickly realized how saturated the market is. How not only is it saturated, but I'm also coming with a different sound that people aren't used to. Um, they're more, especially in Orlando, um, or, or just in general, you hear a lot of tech house, a lot of, uh, um, top, top hits, remixes yeah. turned into tech house and, and stuff. <laughs> um, my, you know, I'm not saying I, I, I don't love that music. I love it as well, but my, my passion is techno. My passion is, um, just the sounds, you know, mm -hmm. just, just, uh, the, you know, and I guess, um, not everybody gets it because every you know so I get a lot of people that comes up to me and tell me they're like, hey, you know, can you play some words? And it's like, yeah, no, this is this is techno, man. Like, yeah, I, I, yeah, I could try to put some words, you know, here and there, but I'm not gonna play a whole elephant. song or whatnot. Right. Drawer. Well, there is there's de there's de like, yeah, well, I'll put some words. You know what's funny about you saying exactly like there is techno that is exactly that. But I think because here's the thing, right? That's, Work it. Escalator. Yeah, because it's one of those things, one of those subtleties that like the normies don't necessarily understand, right? It's like the difference between, oh god, uh, the difference between jungle and breakcore. That's a whole conversation that you know we can I can have later that I can rant and bitch about. But it's a similar thing with techno and tech house, like. To kind of to put it in a nutshell, you know, jungle is more normicore. It's like groovy. It's pads. It's you know, you got lyrics. You know, whatever. And it's like, you know, it's it's it has like a like a chord structure, and it's like it's musical. Whereas breakcore is literal crackhead music. Like you should not be able to like functionally dance to more than four bars of this shit at a time unless you are on like. A specific like stack of substances, most of which are illicit. <laughs> uh, you know, like Kid Six Hundred Six, Venetian Snares, Nears Day at Disneyland. The list goes on. Uh, you know, but like techno and tech house is kind of the same thing in a different vein. Where rather than being like like techno being crackhead music, uh, you know, it's 
similarly, music. similarly, well, not even <laughs> similarly to like tech house is kind of like more traditional, more like normie safe, more like, you know, there's something to it's like to bridge the gap. Yeah. It's catch. Exactly. It's, it's catchy. Yes. It, you know, it has like hooks and, you know, more traditional musical elements as opposed to techno, which I think that the finding, because I did research on this, because I'm not a huge techno listener, but when I was making the set for your show, like a lot of, like for my hardware, I do a lot of research into genres that I'm not familiar with to kind of like download the formulas and try and like make as much of that music as possible to develop an understanding. Yeah. And something that I realized about techno that really separates it apart from tech house is that A, it is repetitive, but the fine art of techno is developing something that is both repetitive and hypnotic. Mm-hmm. It's the hypnotism of the groove, yeah. of the syncopation, of like the elements, most of which are very simple and very rudimentary, but like sculpted in such a way that like you kind of like don't get sick of it yeah. or it progresses in a way like subtly in ways that, you know, allow it to carry on. That's that's actually know. one of the things I really enjoy about um, like progressive like house type stuff is is it's like it has that element of repetition with it but it's changing subtly or sometimes greatly but throughout the whole thing there's elements of repetition so you get comfortable uh and you kind of know vaguely what to expect but things are still developing Mm -hmm. as you're listening through it yeah and it's kind of like and that's that's an interesting thing to bring up too because like you say like progressive house so you think like because the same thing could be said about like Dead Mouse, right? Mm-hmm. But techno, I think, kind of rests somewhere distinctly between progressive house and like trance. Yeah, you know, whereas I like you have that. like that extreme, that extremity of like hypnotism, like to the point where trance music is literally called trance for a reason yeah. because it is because and a lot of Puts that has you in to a do trance. yeah, and a lot of that, from what I understand and what I've been able to deduce, has a lot to do with the speed of it. You know, because like progressive house, yeah. you're still operating at like that house tempo of 128 for the most part, you know, which gives it a little bit more of like a, a regular steady, like, you know, kind of walking like re- most people can move their body like or freely to this. 126.358 like Dead Mouse <laughs> likes to fuck around and do sometimes. Yeah, on some <laughs> tracker shit. Uh, but like, yeah. He side note, he literally did that with one, I forget what track it was, but he's like known, there's like one or two tracks where he literally did like a really random ass tempo like that just to fuck with DJs. <laughs> literally for that reason. I love when people, when producers do that. <laughs> Sorry, uh, I cut you off. No, you're good. It's funny because this, um, this conversation is reminding me of B-Port back in like, what, 15 years ago when... There was no subgenres. It was literally house, tech house, techno, Dude, trans. Yeah. It was like Beatport has ruined EDM, bro. <laughs> That's real as fuck. Well, it, it goes to show how much EDM has evolved, and it's it's pretty amazing that Beatport is it's a fucking huge library of electronic music, basically. And as a matter of fact, just yesterday I was um, trying to tune back into like some older music that I was playing, and uh, it kind of like made it elaborated into a whole search of music that I actually used to play and listen to back in 2011 and I was like nostalgia mode like oh shit I remember this song oh shit I remember this and um it, it it's crazy cuz now I look at when you click on genres and it just it's a whole shit ton of genres and back then it wasn't like that but um specifically in techno um 
I call my music techno. It's techno, you know. It's definitely techno. Um, they in the category in people, it's it's considered um, raw hypnotic. Um, so raw hypnotic techno, um, which I turn it into groovy techno. That's what I call it. It's pretty synonymous, depending on like you know who you're talking to. Groovy and hypnotic. Yes, yeah. yes, this is true. I guess for everybody, groovy is is, is groove, right? Hey, groove, whatever, whatever the groove means to you. I guess. Um, Depends on how hear, high you are, yeah, whether it's groovy or right? hypnotic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I definitely, as much as I love like all like the in- industrial stuff, the hard techno and all that. Um, I definitely do float more in between like a 130 to 140, so a little bit more on the faster pace. Mm-hmm. Um, but still the hard, heavy-hitting drums with the synths and all the, you know, add-in effects and all that stuff. And, and my, um, my main idea with my music specifically is um, to build that, uh, that hype. That uh, hey, let's get everybody in that mood. It, it, it's that rhythm where, no matter what, either somebody's tapping their foot or moving their head mm-hmm. or something, and if it's making you move, I'm happy. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and 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 I, I feel like that's uh that's my main goal. And I, I think anybody's goal when it's a D, you know the DJ's main job is to make you move basically. You know? Yeah, if you're spinning and you see people just standing around, it's like you're it's it's almost like what's the point of what I'm doing. If nobody's yeah. like paying attention, but if you see people actually grooving and moving, and you, yeah, I can understand that. I'm like, you feel good. Oh yeah, Absolutely. oh yeah. It feels like you're accomplishing what you're setting out to do. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to touch on uh, you. You mentioned a, f- a little bit ago about um, sounds. You were just sound in general. Like you're really. Interested. I forget what you said specifically, but you're talking about being really into the sound, like sound design and stuff like that. Are there certain sounds that you use within techno that kind of give it that that unique panache. Yeah. I, I wanted to touch on that because um, I actually brought up the concept of ear candy when I was talking with Maris yes. uh, on, the, on that episode. And it's something that I've come to appreciate that I feel like a lot of the those like top 40 remix hits, like they don't like, they're very like sterile in a way because they're just crowd pleasers. But like yeah. to, to like a trained ear or just an active listener who's sitting down and listening to it, it's just like, this is kind of boring because there's not a lot of that ear candy, that stuff that like stands out that is like have a very specific artist's touch to it. Yes. Yes. It's, um, it's a in the moment kind of thing. Um, it, all right. Like for example, what blew my mind, and I was like, this is it. This is for me. This is, I love house music. I love techno music. I love just the whole, everything as a whole, in mm-hmm. a sense, was um, Brooklyn opened up their first techno warehouse, and Carl Cox was brought out to perform pretty much all night long. And I think this was in wow. 2013, I want to say 2012, 2013. And um, let's just say that Carl Cox, okay, and... It was uh, Output Output Brooklyn, uh, techno warehouse that they opened up. And this was a club that had no VIP, no bottle service. And it was to the point where you couldn't even take photos in the club. Um, let's just say that security 
will let you do any kind of drug in their face. You can do whatever <laughs> the heck you want, whatever it is. You can smoke right in front. But if you whip out that phone, they're on you. They're like, yo, yo, put that phone away. Put that phone away. Yeah, I love that. That's yeah, nice. so do I. So do, And that's pretty much where I want to, like, eventually get it back into, where that's where I want Groovy promo to kind of, like, land in a sense, where it's not about bar sales. It's not about VIP or it's not about bottle service it's literally it's literally about the experience between you and the dj you and the music and it was that it was that one night that carl cox uh in brooklyn um dude the dude just his musical i had it's funny because first time i i went to the club too it just opened up and they had uh pbrs the blue ribbons yeah if you can have tall boys of them shit. So I was like on my fucking third one, feeling real nice in the club. And, mm-hmm. like, you know, it goes into after hours and all that. And, dude, I was, you know, had my weed. I was smoking and all that. And, bro, I felt like I was on, like, massive amounts of drugs. And it was music-induced. Mm-hmm. It was the music that did it. It was, like, whatever tracks he was playing at that time. You know, I wasn't fucked up or anything. Like, I was feeling nice from my drinks and all that. But, dude, he made me feel like... Goosebumps made me feel like I was floating in the air. Made mm. me feel real jolly. I was hugging everybody and all that. It was all because of music. That's of the that music. magic, man. That's the that's what really. That's the art. Mm-hmm. Like when you tap into the source and really get that. Like, yeah, that's what it's all about. Is to get people to feel that. And that's another thing yeah. that I feel is like lost. This is what we were talking about. It's like that sense of the overall, the theater, the theatrics of it. You know, because a lot of DJs, I feel, treat it as, like, like what's what I'm looking for? Curation. It's more of, like, a whereas, like, yeah, you want to curate the newest and coolest and, like, tightest, hardest, you know, catchiest, whatever uh, stuff. But it's a lot of what I think a lot of people miss out on is kind of, like, how everything plays into everything else, you know, and you'll hear DJs talk about, oh, it's about, like, the journey, it's about telling a story, you know, and having those ups and those downs, but very few DJs that I've heard have, like, actually, like, registered that and actually do it effectively, you know what I mean? And it's, I think that that's one of those things that, like, really indicate that's like one of the marks of the masters is when you have somebody who can not just curate a lot of really good music and like music that like fits a vibe and a tone but curates it in a way that like really actually like sends you on a journey like a movie would you know with like ups and downs almost like a plot you know and i feel like that's really important and that's what it is it's like a show um that's how me and my friends, we used to go to the, to the clubs and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, yeah, we'd go out to the club and have fun, go party and all that, but it was almost like a concert for us. We had these yeah. massive DJs, you know, well-known DJs from New York and um, we used to go check them out and, and go listen to them. We used to go, majority of the part, we used to go for the DJ, for the music that the DJ would play. And um, kind of falling back into like groovy promo. That's that's you know I want to translate it into that same essence where I want it to be like like for example at Pacha, it would be DJ Boris and he would part he would literally get on the decks at like eleven o'clock all the way up until like two p.m. three p.m. 
So he was on a whole wow. stretch, plus twelve plus hours, almost that's almost so twenty hours. That's so hard. Bro, I love shit like that. The craziest that. part about it is that my guy would be up there the whole time, and I used to wonder, like, yo, when does this guy take bathroom breaks? Yo? Yeah. <laughs> He's got, he's got like several <laughs> jars just underneath the table. <laughs> For real. Yeah. But um. But yeah. Ca- it, the it would be <laughs> his show. It would, be, it would be his show, and it wasn't just him. It was a bunch of it was a bunch of DJs. It was um, There was a uh, like there was a a, a big Colombian DJ. Uh, his name was uh, Chris Vargas, and he. Uh, Used to throw a really good party, and that's actually kind of where I got the inspiration from Jungle Techno. He used to throw a jungle party in Pacha in New York. Hell yeah. And, um, bro, but when I tell you this was a whole um, a whole art, a whole show, where they would have dancers, they would have people come out in costumes. It was. Are you guys familiar with, like, the drag scene and all that, how they do, like, big shows oh, yeah. like that? Uh, familiar, not really been to any, but, I, yeah, I get it. Very similar where they put on a whole show, basically. Yeah. And um, it, it was just a whole, a whole entertainment base, pretty mm-hmm. much. And the music would still be playing. So at the end of the day, we're all still partying. This show is going on. It was almost like a runway, mm-hmm. in a sense, you know? <laughs> and you'll see these, these, you know, women, guys, or whatever. They'll, they'll just come out to the runway, dance, do their thing, go back. And it was just... I guess it with the lights, with the music, with all the the people, the vibe and all that. That's what that's what made it a whole um, an experience. An experience, yeah, yeah an experience with um, all these different elements all coordinating together. Yes, mm-hmm. coming 100%. together, mm-hmm. and that's that's what makes the show. You know, it was not only the flyer. But it was the decoration. They would actually like decorate with with you know palm trees and all that, make it real jungle vibeish. And then um, the costumes, the music, every, everything was very jungle. At, at that time, it was a lot of uh, jungle, uh, minimal tech house techno, um, and that was a uh, kind of like an after hours kind of sound, kind similar to what I what I do now. But I I um not as dark. Uh, I feel like uh, that was like a, the after hour sound is a little bit more darker, very underground. Where I try to keep it underground, but try to add color to it. I try to bring mm-hmm. bring life to it, because that's what I feel will make it relatable in a sense. Where uh, tech house is, uh, you know, with with all the the remixes, people hear, oh oh, uh, that's a Nelly Furtado remix. Oh, uh, I know that song. The, you know, so mm-hmm. in a sense, with with techno, that's pretty much. What I what I try to do as well. <laughs> Smart. And I kind of like kind of veering off that one thing I want to mention while we're talking about the theatrics is just kind of like the opposite end of that or like the dichotomy that that could take. Because like that's how I, I don't know if I've had this discussion with you, Devin, but I know I've talked with like the end game for shows for like my act in particular, where like I, you know, as somebody who my end game as a musician is to want to make music for like movies and video games and stuff like that. I, for like a live act for my personal music thing, would want it to be something akin to what he was describing. Not necessarily like, you know, a dance show or like a drag show or anything like that, but something with very, like with dancers, something that was very theatric that had very intentional, you know, kind of playing into the whole idea of there being like a plot and a through line and a whole, you know, symbiotic experience with all these different elements playing amidst amongst each other for like a like a, the, something that's greater than some of its parts but the alternative to that 
is very specifically inspired by one of my favorite artists, uh, Autekker. I don't know if you're familiar with Autekker at all, if you've heard about them. They're more of like a, um, they're like under the underground t as far as techno is concerned. They're more of like an IDM range akin to like, you either know Autekker, you know. What's IDM? Intelligent dance music. Oh, okay, okay. It's it's a fucking, it's like. You it's know, a I've never heard of that. Really? IDM? Yeah. Are you not familiar with like, you have to have heard of like Aphex Twin, right? He's the guy that everybody knows. He's the one, the one so idea that, man. So that like is idea. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, as talking to look that up. Talking about how like, uh, you know, breakcore is crackhead music compared to jungle. Yeah. Uh, you know, IDM is like crackhead music compared to EDM. It's effective where it's like, it's all very complex, very nuanced. It's, it's technically dance music, but taken very left field and made very, you know, with a lot of liberties taken as far as like, you know, traditional, EDM motifs and uh, like standards are concerned. It, it, rather than calling it dance music, it's like they start playing. It's like, oh, you wanted to dance to this? Oh, well, sorry. Yeah, no, like that, basically, <laughs> yeah, uh, more or less. That's how I feel when uh, I listen to Apex Twin. It's like, oh, you wanted to dan dance to this? <laughs> Sorry, you didn't. You don't. You're not under the right stack of substances <laughs> <Yeah>. to properly <laughs> to uh, to make sense of these uh, equations. Um, but not like so. Something that uh, anyway to bring it back. Something that Autekker has done in the past that I want to emulate one day so fucking bad because I feel like this would be like one of the coolest things ever is playing at a large venue that's completely pitch black. Mm. With no oh, other yes. stimulation other than the music mm. itself and the, your presence amidst like of just a sea of bodies in a large black room with the only light being like the flashlight that I'm holding in my mouth so I can see my fucking gear, <laughs> you know, or like the light from my stuff. Yeah, the stuff on my head, like the, my face being lit up by my equipment is the only, like the, the source of light in the room. No phones allowed type shit. And so it's like all you have for stimulus is just the music. There is nothing distracting this is you. Like, There's nothing like... This is like EDM deprivation tank. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and like you listen to some of Autekker's music, like, and that's the thing too. That's why I like to tell people that I, the few people who I, I you know, feel are with it enough and I, I'm, you know, ju are just like at that right level of autism to appreciate them is like, okay, it may not make sense immediately, but literally just like close your eyes and imagine listening to this in a situation where you are in a giant black room with no, but like, and that's just, you're hearing this over massive speakers because it's some wild, wacky sounds you're hearing, you know, not like wacky, like as in goofy, but like stuff you've never heard before, extremely unique and extremely progressive and subtle in ways that are like that wouldn't make sense. It's like it's like a cosmic entity compared to most other like ED, like traditional electronic music, you know. And so when you and so like it, it's it would be weird or like kind of uncanny to hear that in the cotton. Like they've played shows with like huge like light shows and stuff like that, like most of them. But the, it's the idea of listening to the that kind of music in. You know, like, and the power, the power of kind of taking that opposite approach of rather than augmenting the sound with all these lights and all this theatrics and all this uh, everything else, literally just kind of take the power of taking that exact opposite approach and just having it be literally nothing but the music. And I feel like that <laughs> wouldn't necessarily translate 
to something like Tech House or like traditional EDM, like even like darker mm-hmm. stuff like dubstep or anything like that, where you are expecting to like kind of dance and have a good time, you know, but in a situation like that where you are kind of just forced to listen to and make your, it's kind of like how your brain's going to get hung up on every detail, right? Because ev- everything else is shut out. Yeah. It's so like when you have br- complete focus. Yeah. It's like when you're, when you go blind, your sense of smell and your right. sense of hearing are augmented or when you, you go, you go deaf, your sense of your other senses kind of it's, it's compensate. That, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a similar kind of thing. And that's always something that I felt. And that's something that I feel like techno is like right on the line of like a genre that would be perfect for that because it gets into that sort of hip anything that kind of veers into that level of like hypnotic like hypnoticism you know kind of is what's on that through line for stuff that'd be appropriate for that kind of show Mm -hmm. you know what i mean i feel like that's always that that's kind of an untapped market you know, it's like, because I've only ever really heard, I'm sure other people have done it, but I've really only ever heard of Autechre having done it and gotten away with it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, like... It sounds intense. Yeah, right. That's the thing. We're talking about experiences, right? You know, yeah, and, like... That's a hell of one. You know, if, if I were to ever get into, like, a large-scale, like, warehouse operation, that would definitely be something that I would request to be like, how dark, deprivation we, night. Yeah, how dark can we get this room? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like... Uh, They're pulling out lights. Like, don't wait. No lights. <laughs> no lights. No. No. None of that. Check your phone at the door. You know, none of that shit. You know, just so that there's <laughs> phone no phone s- check. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Don't straight like up. Code check. You need those. Need those. Need those boxes that you lock. Like yeah. comedians and like other shows. Yeah. They get the little now. bags. Yeah, the, yeah. Well, like Dave Chappelle. Like oh, yeah. a lot of his shows, they have these like little lock boxes that you put your phone in and you check it at the front or whatever and they keep it there so you can't use your phone during the show. But if you need it for like an emergency or something, you can still go out and use it, but you can't during the show. Mm -hmm. And there's that fine line that I am trying not to cross over because I do want to keep that essence of underground when it comes to groovy promo. Uh, but nowadays we we live in an age where it's all about content, it's all about visuals, it's all about that entertainment. You know, people seeing what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, they won't give it a shot unless they see what's going on. Um, so, um, anyway, hey, I, you can tell I'm tired, right? Holy moly, I, yeah. I'm coming from a, a whole party since what five six p.m. in West Palm. Uh, Art and Design District. It is a after-hour spot. Very chill, very nice vibes. Um, got a whole bunch of nice graffiti, street art in the spot that you can appreciate while you're there. Um, and then the whole vibe, the whole vibe, the the vibes of the whole, um, just the whole spot is is nice. You know, it, it's nice. Everybody's in a good jolly. You know. Good vibes, spreading mm-hmm. those good vibes. Plural, right? Peace, love, <laughs> unity, yeah, and respect. respect. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, it's funny because I guess um, my my thing also with, with saying techno is when I try to say, hey, I play techno music, and, and that's what was giving me trouble when I was trying to go into venues, um, was me trying to let them know I want to do like a techno type of event and right away they think that I'm going to do like some pounding industrial boom, 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 Yeah, boom, it yeah. has become kind of like one of those, like how electronica used to be a very specific subgenre, but then it kind of became like this, it encompassed a whole like 
array of different subgenres that are all kind of under the purview of electronica to most people. I feel like techno is kind of like anything that isn't catchy that's akin to tech house. Anything less catchy than tech house is effectively techno of all of its, yes. you know, exactly. subgenres. Yeah. So people have this uh, bad uh, connotation to it where it's like, oh, you say techno and right away they're like, oh, no, we want to do techno, you know? Yeah, because that's it's very affiliated with that kind of like drug culture exactly. kind of situation. Yes, yeah. yes. And um, that's kind of what I'm, you know, bringing it back to the whole Carl Cox thing where it was the music that made me feel like I was on drugs. Mm -hmm. That's that that's my goal is to continue to make that that uh that moment that I lived at that at that mm -hmm. time is for others to feel that through my music now. Um so I did it again, bro. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm on no sleep at all. You're good. No, you're good. I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, you're you talking about how you yeah, you're talking about how you wanted to um like curate that experience of like having the of I guess the point you were getting at, from what I understand, was kind of like what's the word I'm looking for? There's a taking techno back in the sense of like reclaiming it. Yeah. Reclaiming. Yes. Reclaiming yes. techno from that stigma of it being like, you know, heavy, like must be on this amount of substances to appreciate this ride type of, you know, genre into something where it's like you as somebody who understands like the essence of what makes it special based on your experiences, you want to, you know, kind of... You got to be on Molly and you got to have 16 glow sticks around your neck yeah. to enjoy this music. Whereas, nah, whereas nah, you recognize the value in the music, it's in the power of the music itself to just do that. Yeah. And, you you know, you trust in that recognition of that power to let the music speak for itself. And you're in, in hosting your own events where, the, you know, the drugs are less of an important aspect of it, you know, are kind of proving that you know, in your actions. It's and that, very admirable. And that's one main reason why I started going into the Kava bars um, was because regular bars were too worried about bar sales. Uh, clubs obviously have expenses, and I'm not at that point to, you know, to pretty much try to get into a club and, and pay off security, pay off bartenders, pay off whoever mm -hmm. needs to get paid off. You know, after I can actually have an event where I could pay DJs and, you know, actually, um, at the end of the day with with, uh, with Groovy Promo, my, my whole idea behind it is really to have some okay for instance the, the whole kava the whole kava bar um the reason why I'm I, I'm doing it at the kava bars is because obviously they were a little more receptive and you guys have like um the kava bars have their own little market pretty much and it's and it's mm -hmm. pretty diverse and the demo uh, not the demographic but the the age range should I say is uh pretty spread out as well which I feel like you could be any age to to enjoy techno. Even even little kids, pretty much. My my four year old dances to my music, and she loves my music. She actually tells me, "Daddy, can you DJ? Can you do a party right now?" <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's another reason, man. That's another that's reason so why. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Love that for you. Full circle. Full circle. Um, same thing with like my brother and stuff. You know? mm -hmm. So now like she sees it and stuff. The only difference is um. 
we're now in a digital age, so she can't climb up my fucking crates and stuff. All the records, all You're right. Yeah. The, the, the the crate pyramid, basically, that just went up into the corner of the of the wall, and I used to yeah. climb up them. She's yeah. That she was, was the real cargo cultist era, back when like you were battle DJing with the you carry your crates of vinyl with you, bro, <laughs> to do those sets. I can't imagine people having to because people were playing like those marathon sets with vinyl. Yeah, what that. kind of what kind of like bro how do you carry around that much like i feel it's a pain in the ass carrying around my hardware yeah let alone boxes of vinyl i have two small like relatively small boxes of vinyl and that shit's heavy having to carry around 12 hours or like 10 hours worth of vinyl jesus fucking christ (laughs) oh yeah that's crazy yeah i i couldn't imagine but that's you know that's part of what makes that era so legendary bring bringing it to uh what you were saying about the whole um dark room and and kind of making that experience um that's kind of where i started noticing that i wanted to really do more of a showcase rather than do parties and events which i still want to do parties and events but i think my my goal is really to um showcase not only myself but other artists other people that other other djs or producers Anybody in in that realm of of underground music, UDM. It's funny that you say IDM because mm-hmm. I always call it UDM, but that's not. I, I don't think that's even a thing. I don't think nobody and calls what's it that, UDM. What does that stand for? Underground dance music. Okay, okay, yeah. Um, so you want to focus the party when it comes to party. That's more about the party, whereas you want to do shit that's showcasing the music. Yes, yes. Which that um, is the main focus. My first event that I will be doing with that new. Um, New phase. I'm calling it phase two of Groovy Promo. Okay. Uh, whereas in the first phase, I was just doing a, a shit ton of parties. I, you know, I had, I think, like five parties in one month, I want to say. Nice. And I realized that I didn't want to go stale. And, um, you know, me just pushing the same parties over and over is going gonna, is gonna to get to a point where people are going to be like, all right, we're getting tired of this shit. Yeah. You know? So mm-hmm. you, you want to cement your, your, what your, reputation is yes and, and preserve it in a sense um because at the, at the end of the day again we live in a time where it's instant gratification or whatnot yeah. so they, you they need consistency for things to stick yes yeah and and not only that but it's also the the refreshing the refreshment and uh the re- reinventing basically the, the adapting and that's pretty much what life is is mm-hmm. adapting you know so mm-hmm. i realized with, with groovy promo that with uh the events as much as I want to keep putting out events, it's just a headache because it's a lot, a lot going on behind it. Um, I pretty much take take care of everything myself as far as the videos, the flyers, um, everything, everything with Groovy Promo. I, I single handedly uh, take care of all that, and, I, and it pays um, off. And I also I notice you doing that too because every time I, I, I've seen you so far, you're always doing making videos. You're you're walking around talking to people. I can see you like actually boots on the ground like doing the work you're talking about yeah, yeah. And it's, it's paying off too yeah yeah which, which it quickly turned from uh, me booking myself to me booking other talent and it kind of steered into a route where it was more more or less where i want to create that opportunity because if i can why not and um 
there's other, you know, there's other DJs that pretty much experienced what I experienced, where I never got booked, basically. And, you know, whether I tried hard or whether I was out there or whatever the case is, I felt like I would have hit that, that obstacle regardless because of the saturation and everybody being a DJ and whatnot. So what am I going to do to differentiate myself? And um, so now with um, phase two of Groovy Promo, um, I'm going to be focusing on live broadcasting. Um, I'm pretty much going to live broadcast events and small intimate events, kind of like, uh, have you guys ever heard of um, Whore Berlin? It's a bunch of, sh- mm. bunch of DJs that, that go in the bathroom and they just uh, DJ live right in the bathroom. Wait, <laughs> yes, it's, it's a weekly yeah. thing. Yeah, I think I know. Yeah, I it's like I, a, like green. Like yes, it has I've, a, se- I've seen the videos of this. But I like I've as you describe them. Like, wait a minute. Yeah, with like the, the tile walls and shit. Yes, yeah, yes, yep. yes. I know. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yep. Yeah, I see videos of like DJs I love from the UK. They're all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So from there, is this wait? Is I, this is this like a genre or is this like a specific spot? specific thing this is a actual location okay. in berlin and djs pull up to there and they just live broadcast their sets cool and um i'm not sure if there's actually i'm pretty sure that they have a little party going on behind the bathroom wall <laughs> but um it's literally just you and the dj inside the bathroom man fuck the boiler room we got the bathroom I'm yes yeah, exactly yeah <laughs> it's like reverse boiler room yeah. you know <laughs> which it, it, it kind of all stems for real <laughs> <laughs> it all stems and, and that's all i'm saying you know it's not copying no, nothing is nothing is copying if you could put your own twist to it you know if exactly. you can because at the end of the day that's what art is that's pretty yeah. much what art is it, you know everything's it, derivative to some extent yeah yeah it's you have to get inspired off of something you're you know? right it, it, so the inspiration comes off of from somewhere um, and I did it again. <laughs> well, I, well, I feel like you I made can, your point on that one. So. Yeah, I, I can yeah. pivot to another thing. I want to get yeah. to know you as a person a little bit, just a little bit more. Um, what? So you're from New York? Yes. Uh, and you mentioned Detroit earlier. Were you at Detroit? Were you in Detroit too, or were you no. just okay? Because you were talking about New York. Uh, what brought you to Florida? What brought me to Florida? Uh, just change. Just change. Uh, I wanted to try something different. Florida, how I landed in Florida was my brother was living in Florida at the time. My 15 year, you know, he was 15 years older. Um, he was living in Orlando at the time, and I decided to um, come out. This was what, 10 years ago, I want to say. Me and my, my two homies, we came out to Miami, Memorial Day weekend. I was going to ask if it had was a Miami. blast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, came, we went out to Miami, had a blast. We came to check out my brother in Orlando. And basically, I ended up staying in Orlando. And this was 10 years ago. So um, I ended up meeting my my um, the mother of my, my oldest daughter. She's about to be nine years old. Mm. And um, pretty much that's what kept me always back and forth with Orlando, with uh, Florida, because I would always go back to New York, but because I had my daughter here, I was almost, like, always trying to make something happen to come back to Florida. Gotcha. Um, and then ev- eventually, eventually we did, you know, and it was uh, me with my mother, my, my daughter now, my four-year-old now. Uh, we moved out here officially about almost four years ago, November 2019, right before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So we got mm. super lucky and um, For real? we escaped pandemic in New York. I don't know how I would have, yeah. ma- I would oh have managed God. that. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. I actually loved that I was in Florida because Florida was like, yep. it was almost like 
nothing was going on in the world. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I, I'll say thank you, Governor DeSantis, for yep. that. I know a lot of people have a lot of controversy with him. We won't talk about politics right now. Fuck all that shit. But at the end of the day, I love the fact that we actually were a free country. What, that was what the, the first, U.S. stood for, you know? As somebody Thanks. who grew up here my whole life, that was the first time, like, seeing what the rest of the country was going through during that. I was like, damn, I... Proud maybe, to be a Floridian. For real, no, I, I really, I felt that too. I genuinely felt that too when all that shit was popping off. I was like, I was like, kind of dreading at first, like if like lockdowns and like that kind of stuff started happening here. But then it didn't, and I'm like, I mean, it did, but nowhere it did to near like, to, to very a small extent. Yeah, nowhere close to like New York. Oh my God, what yeah. the f- the fact that people got through that at all. Like, I mean, a lot of people didn't. There was like a, yeah. well, a lot of people, significant a lot of- spikes in unaliving. During that time, oh, and yeah. like well, most a lot of people cities, also left too. Yeah, a lot of people moved out. Like yeah. here, moved here, right yeah. in Texas. And you hear in, in Texas, Texas. Figure. Yep. my <laughs> best friend Andreas, he was staying in um, in Jamaica, Queens. Also, actually, he nice. was staying there for a little over a year with uh, his sister and and another friend, and they were trying to make it over there. And then pandemic starts, and they they were there for a little while through it, and they're like, "We're done with this," like they couldn't take it because like. It was just too much, and they ended up moving here. Thankfully, they moved here before it got to like its peak mode. You know, um, I've, I've heard so many stories of people just le- just yeah. fleeing altogether. Uh, yeah, yeah. We didn't flee. We just kind of. It got to a point where we were like, "All right, what are we gonna do with these two thousand dollars a month? Are we gonna rent out this little ass closet? Or are we gonna get this freaking house with a driveway, with a pool, with this, with that?" Right. <laughs> I think uh, you know the the biggest decision was uh, decision maker was um, the convenience of food shopping and doctor's visits because mm. mm-hmm. my my um, my little one was a baby when when we had her out in New York um, so them doctors as a matter of fact every time my my lady she went out with the baby everything something will happen something will happen where it would be a crime scene and they'll have to shut down the subway i would have to one time i had to drive all the way to east new york brooklyn to go pick her up from flushing which is like the complete other side of mm, the borough sheesh. new you know queens and brooklyn yeah and um always something always happened you know so that was like kind of our that pushed us to make the decision like you know what let's go back me and obviously my daughter being out here my nine-year-old daughter and um, we were like, you know, let's let's make it happen. Let's go out to Florida. And um, even then, I didn't think of any of this, to be honest. I knew that I wanted to DJ. I always had music. You know, I always had the itch to do something with music. Um, but I never thought that it would it would turn into something like this, where now um, I'm over here trying to make something bigger than than myself, pretty much. Where I, you know, I want to create. Like, like I said before, opportunity where I want to create opportunity. I want to be able to help out that, that next person or that next artist as well. So it was kind of mostly the move wasn't really had nothing to do with like career path. It was mostly just like life, just like you have yeah. a daughter, you have a kid, you want to oh, yeah. take care of your family type yeah. thing. Because I imagine, I mean, I've never lived in a big city like that. Yeah. Uh, I've grown I've grown up in Florida here. Mm-hmm. Um, so... The closest thing to a big city for me was Tampa when I lived there for a little while. But anyway, so I imagine, you know, you growing up, you're like, you know, you can handle it with all the stuff going on. But as soon as you you're grown, you want to take your 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 kid is like brand new to this world. You're like, I can't have all this bullshit going on around while I'm trying to raise this human. 
Oh yeah, you know. I mean, and look what happened right right after it was the pandemic. You yeah. Know? So that that would. I mean, we still even here in Florida, we dealt with it. You know. The um, pandemic's just the cherry on top for like why you oh, <laughs> didn't yeah. get out of there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It was, like, it was like the cherry that I didn't know was there. You know? Well, yeah, because it didn't come to after. Yeah, because, <laughs> yeah. like, again, as somebody who was raised, I mean, to be fair, I was raised, like, in Stewart. I was, like, here on, you know, Florida's largest parking lot, effectively. Uh, you know, and as, like, boring <laughs> as it is to, like, it, like, I can't imagine raising a kid here as easy. Thankfully, I was just, like, the most autopilot child on the face of the planet. I could just find shit to entertain myself. But, like, I could only imagine, like, having to raise a kid in New York. How the, like, how do these kids, how are these kids not just, like, dying? <laughs> you know, I'm sure they, I mean, I'm sure they are, but, like, because you can't let a kid, like, I'm, I mean, you can't, technically, you, that's probably what happens is, like, you do let your kids just kind of, like. You just got to pull yourself yeah. up by your Tims, bro. Yeah, you pull yourself up by your Tims. You just go, let your kids go out there, and if they come back at night, then great. But if they don't, oh, damn, I guess they, they, <laughs> they, they the fitness Yeah, if they, if, they can't go, if they can't hang past curfew in the summer, they're not going to survive the winter. You know, <laughs> it's <real>. like <laughs> his, blood, his bloodline was weak anyway, so now it's just you, Timmy. <laughs> you're, the, you're the last one. Now you got you got to prove that our genetics are worth it. <laughs> you got to survive the burrows, bro. I imagine New York being like like a freaking hunter gatherer society. It kind of. <laughs> From what I've heard, I don't know, confirm or deny, you're from there, but like, it's pretty it's like, like a what? what it's like a hunter gatherer society where like you send out, you send out like the, the oldest boy, like your firstborn, go out to find food. If he doesn't come back, shit, the next, the, the younger yeah. brother is next up in the in, in, in family line. Yeah. Either you hack it or you, you know, don't, which is why, yeah. which is why there is this consistent thing and like you're gettuitiveness you know and you're like maybe i got a little bit of that from like my grandparents being raised in new york but like the, that kind new of yorkers like are hustlers, hustler grind yeah new yorkers yes. are built different dead mm. ass it's funny because a lot of people tell me like yo you you don't have a new york accent and i'm like what the fuck is a new york accent you want forget about it you hey, know yeah, like, hey you got a wise guy there like yeah no, <laughs> Or the yo, what up, B? Yo, what's good? Yo, yeah. like yeah, no, nah, I don't do it. Just Either dead ass or I fungul, you know. What I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> but um, what I what I was gonna say was um, if I think of the the nightmare that I caused my mother and everything that I did when I was a kid in New York. I, I want to be able to withstand that, bro. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and man, and a girl at that, bro. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean. Then again, it, it's almost like it's like with a grain of salt because I appreciate and I love where I came from, and I wish that I, you know, that my daughter could experience that as well. But we live in a time where it's fucking shits and the crazy people out here, and um, it's it's, it's a completely it's, it's got to be a completely different brand of crazy now than it yeah, was when you were a kid. Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. I mean, shit wasn't sweet either. You know, in the eighties or nineties in New York, and you know, most of these major cities and stuff like that but was it the 70s and 80s like the worst time ever to oh, be in yeah. new york basically oh yeah like just a super high crime rate yeah oh yeah oh yeah um thankfully around my time it wasn't that bad i mean it was still hood i guess in a sense but it, it wasn't anything where you know it was already developing into that new new york city basically mm. where it was just this huge metropolis and now they just crammed the shits on more people inside these small spaces um, where I come from, I come from Flushing Queens, and it's uh, 
Chinatown number two. Chinatown number one is uh, LES, Lower East Side, Manhattan, mm. uh, Canal Street, where you get all the bootlegs and all the, mm. the mixtapes and all mm. the Louis Vuitton bags and all that. <laughs> Um, that, I would love that, to visit that just to see awesome, all the awesome, all place, that shit. awesome place. Yeah, it, it's that that whole collective of that whole area. You got um, Soho and all that, which is big fashion fashion area. Um, just that whole area is, is real cool. All of New York, all of New York. I, I want to say that I want to visit one day. You can't experience all of New York in one lifetime. Uh, yeah, there's no, there's way too much going on in this in the whole city in all five boroughs basically. Um, it's an entire micro society. Yeah. Of its own, yeah. Like, yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. I'd love to visit. Like, New York and LA are two places I would fucking. I think I would blow my brains out if I lived there. But I would love to visit and just absorb that culture and see what it's all about. Oh yeah, because it's just a different it's, lifestyle. Both of those places completely different from each other, even, yeah. but also different from what I'm used to. So, and each each uh, borough has so much to offer. Um, Whereas like Queens, where I'm from, it's it's a pretty much it's the biggest borough out of the five boroughs, and it has it has probably at least one person from every country in the mm. world, you know. So you can find every country in Queens. It's it's the biggest diverse melting pot. Where, I mean, think about it. Um, I, I'm first generation American. My mother came. She immigrated from Ecuador. And I, you know, I was born here in New York and in in, um, in Queens, and um, <laughs> branching off what you say, it's like I think that it was a huge thing because immigration was a big time, a big thing back in that time, and mm. yeah, it used to be where mom would be at home cooking. Hey, send out the boy to go buy some onions from the grocery store mm-hmm. right in the corner or from the bodega. Right, send him to the, the bodega. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. So, it, and there that, would be at least like four life-threatening random events that would take place between <laughs> there and coming back. Oh yeah, oh yeah. My thing was the skateboard, bro. I, I, I used to love being on wheels. I, I love. I guess I'm a little bit of an adrenaline junkie. I don't love uh, heights too much, but I love speed and I love, I guess, velocity, you know, mm-hmm. just going, going, moving pretty much. Um, so as a kid, I Very was Very fitting with the music. I was, right, yes, <laughs> yes. Um, no lie, because I actually be on 95 going 95. Going <laughs> 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 oh, I-95? Oh, I thought that was the speed limit. Yeah, no, yeah, right, right. yeah no, for real. No, like, yeah. You, hey. It says 95 on the, off, on the sign-off. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm not from here. Wait, so that won't work on the trooper? Yeah. <laughs> no, that will not work Gosh on FHP. Darn. Florida Highway Patrol, yeah. they will not care. Shit, I'm not even going to lie. I actually almost got pulled over. Um... On the way yesterday, on the way to West Palm, I was going 90. Just got a, a going. I'm gonna casually slip that in there. I was going 90, and uh, I got a phone hey, call. There's no police in here, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, I got a phone call, and uh, it was actually Murris. Murris called me, and I'm talking to him. You know, he has a. I haven't spoken to him in a few days. It was, you know, a pretty hype phone call. So, I. Actually, I wasn't going 90 when I got the phone call. I, got, I was going 80 when I got the phone mm-hmm. call. That's usually how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> the next thing you know, I'm going 90. Hands free. Hands free. Hands and set, I you see, know. you know, how the troopers are, are brown and black out here. I see this motherfucker going through the cut to from the other side of the highway mm-hmm. coming out to come out my way. Yep. Mm-hmm. And 
as, as I seen it, yo, I slowed down from 95 to 45 in nah. the fucking <laughs> HOV lane, bro. <laughs> yo, he comes out. Nothing to see here, obviously. <laughs> right? He go, he's, on, he's in the shoulder, and then I slowed down to 45, and he was like, yo, this guy is really not going to let me get behind him, basically. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's just say that he got in front of me, and then I was, like, kind of waiting for the exits. Damn, can they catch me? Can they come back at me like, yo, excuse me, you call, you, uh, what is it? You, you no, uh, committed you, you, a crime. No, I, I man, they probably experienced literally exactly what you're describing, like, at least, like, three times a week, any given cop. Right? Like, we, you know. So... They I saw, that, I saw the exit come up, and I let him, since he was in front of me, I kind of let him go forward, and I went all the way from the HOV lane all the way out the fucking exit, and he had no <laughs> chance to follow me, even if he <laughs> wanted to. So I was like, yeah, let's not freaking go 90 on, on the fucking 95 right now. Yeah, the best try, is if, try to play safe. The best is if you, you can get away with speeding like crazy if everyone around you is also speeding. Yes. Everybody, the, right, yeah, the highway yeah, is like yeah. traveling packs, you Monkey know. Monkey together strong. Yeah. Yep. If we're all speeding, they can't pull us all they over. They can't pull us all over. No. Yep. And the brave soul who's taking up the rear on that line. Yeah. And it's like, you, well, everybody think, salutes him. I think right. that's kind of what helped me out was because I slowed down so much that all the cars that were speeding behind me started going around me. Yep. <laughs> they caught up. <laughs> so the cop is now seeing, or the trooper is now seeing all these people going 90, and it's not me anymore. So I... I don't know. The way that played out, I'm just so happy. I didn't get pulled over because I felt like I should have gotten pulled over, to be honest. Man, so. I got got by freaking Stuart PD last night or two nights ago no. at that little fucking... Okay, if you ever have to go north of here, be advised. Uh, there is a strip right at the the tail end of the uh, the Roosevelt Bridge, like on US-1, <laughs> where it cuts from 45 to 35 for like one mile before the bridge. And it's to stop people from like speeding down the bridge, technically. Okay, yeah. because, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, and uh, they caught me going like 50 in the 35, which, you know, anywhere else on at US-1. three in the morning? It was probably <laughs> closer to like 11, to okay. be fair. But, it, but, you know, anywhere else on US-1 from... Key West to Jacksonville, 50 is totally acceptable, but this one mile right. of road, and they fucking got me on it. And, like, uh, it was cool, though. You know, he was, like, really chill. I, I, I Immediately, I was, like, uh, I saw the cop, looked at my speed, saw him turn around, and I didn't, I was turning into the plaza before he even turned his lights on. <laughs> I cut, I turned, I, you know, I cut my, I cut the car off. I had, rolled down the window, hands on the wheel, and he was just, like, I'm just like, I know. And he's just like, let me see your stuff. It's just a written warning, you know. I'm just like, I'm not from here, dude. I, you know I was raised here, lol, sucker. Uh, but I still have my, <laughs> I still have my, oh, fuck 12. I still have my Jupiter, um, my my address on my on my thing, on my uh, license. So I was like, sir, like, see here, it says I'm from another planet, sir. Yeah, did I? <laughs> I'm not even from this planet, dog. Like, how are you going to get me on this one, this one mile strip of speed, uh, of, well, of, of not speed, you know. And so he it was just like, okay, whatever. Get on with you. I was like, yes, sir. And then (laughs) it was so funny, though, because, like, as I was pulling out, I pulled into one of those, like, one-way turn lanes while he was still facing me. And so I just drive off, and then I see that I'm pulling into an arrow that's facing this way, and I'm just looking at my rear view like, please, please, no. (laughs) 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 He didn't get me on that. Uh, He's like, damn, he really isn't from here. It's like, yes, yep, see? I didn't know that was... (laughs) Bro, FHP, do not fuck around because, like, I uh, was it last year or two years ago? I think it was two years ago. I I got a ticket from Highway Patrol because I technically, yes, I was speeding, but it was 
in the left lane trying to create space because it was like a cluster of cars that were all next to each other. Mm-hmm. And the patrol was in that cluster also. And he pulled me over because we're in the middle lane and we're all clumped together. There's like probably seven, eight cars, like all in one little clump. And I pull over into the left lane to speed up to pass so that we all get some distance. Cause I don't, I, it makes me feel unsafe when we're like, you know, all packed together too close, but he pulls me over for that, for going faster in the passing lane. That's what that's for. Isn't that what that's for? Yeah. The passing lanes for. Yeah. So he, he pulls me over for that, for going 85 basically. Really? Yes. Damn, we that's, were, that's, we were, that's nuts. We were, that's as a pack, for. as a pack, we were traveling at about 80. And I go 85, and he pulls me over. I'm like, bro, what the fuck? And I even tried to explain to the officer. Uh, he was like, or I was like, I was just trying to create distance because we were in a big pack together. And he was said something like, he literally said really something really dismissive. He was like, oh, you must have never dealt with FHP before. <laughs> And I'm like, bro, those are the worst ones. The <laughs> ones that get like, like condescending with you about yeah. it. Yeah. Bro, I literally was, just, I, I had, I was pulled over by one who's like, <sighs> this was the wildest experience with, second wildest experience with the cop. I can say that one for another podcast. But the second wildest one was Jupiter PD, uh, where a dude pulled me over and going like 16 and 50 or something stupid like that. And I'm just like, I swear on my, I like, I was like, I did not speed. I was not speeding. This fucking five foot seven white, like platinum blonde, gray haired, elder looking white man, dead ass, puts his hand on his gun and says, are you a betting man, son? Um, what is like I could sh- and like I could show you the reading on my on my my laser thing. I'm just like whatever. At that point, I was just like whatever, dude. Just do what you gotta do. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? Am I? Are you a betting man, son? Who says that, bro? What the fuck is that supposed to mean? Am I supposed? Is that supposed to be endearing? You put your hand on your gun. You say something <laughs> sly like that. Like I'm not half black. Like I'm not so, like my, you know like bro. You think he's in the old west, bro? I'm, that sounds like some Florida shit to me. It, it is. <laughs> they don't fuck but see, at least, you know, we, and I complain and we complain and rightfully so. The police here suck. The police suck everywhere. But at least it's not Georgia. Oh, yeah. Police out in Georgia, from what I heard, I've never experienced it myself, but they, like, apparently are not allowed to fuck around. Like, they will, fuck, they will pull you over for going five above the speed limit yeah. in Georgia, which is insane to me. Cause I I regularly break 15 above the speed limit, like, and I pass by cops going 15, and I'll get away with that. Okay, like, more often than not. Did you, one did thing, you know that Florida has a five mile per hour grace? Yeah, I never knew that shit. Yeah, well, it's a five mile it's a five mile per hour grace above five miles per hour above the speed limit, so it's technically a 10, <laughs> 10 mile per years. hour grace. <laughs> I've tested this; it's real. <laughs> you can get it. Yes, you're right. I've yeah. made a habit just to be safe. Is I I don't ever. Pass police officers unless I'm going the speed limit. Like if I'm going the speed, like if it's, if it's forty, if I'm going forty and they're slowing down, I'll pass them. But if we're all going around the same speed, I just let them stay in front because I'm just like I'm not gonna risk nothing. That's <laughs> like one of the most annoying games, like on I-95, is when you got everybody the cop, slows down, the cop floating in <laughs> I-95, yes. and there's this like wake of like yes. traffic behind him. But, that's all yes. kind of playing like <laughs> they're all trying musical to figure out. Yes. Like, and then there's that one brave soul who kind of like 
you know goes like two miles an hour <laughs> faster than everybody else, yep. and then you know they'll switch lanes, and then Pete, and then like that's what happened to me the other day. Actually, is like I just some dude like did that. He was going like a couple miles per hour, just enough for him to like pull up behind the truck, and then I just go far right lane, just vroom, like on the right side of the truck, like. Out of their field. I imagine view. police know that this is going on around them too. They, it right? has to be the they're most entertaining at, thing. Yeah, to they're looking in their, their rear view, view mirror, just, like, like watching <laughs> this like mind game happening. <laughs> Literally holding their laser behind their shoulder like this, just waiting for it to beep. And be like, ah, got your ass. I, I actually want to test something out. I want to <laughs> on a highway. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to make this a thing one day. We'll both we'll go past a trooper, and you'll be in the far right lane, and I'll be in the far left lane, and we'll both be traveling at eighty five miles an hour. Mm. Who will get pulled over? The person in the right lane or the left lane? Probably Ooh, the person in the right person in the right lane. Right. I would which, guess. Which one of you has darker complexion? I was about to say this sounds like something that could very well end in one of us losing our lives. Tbh, <laughs> I was literally thinking that right. But as soon as you said I want to try something, I'm like, dog, you, I I don't know what you. I know you New York niggas built different, but I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to get involved in any of that. Bro, I'm <laughs> like <laughs> any testing that has to do with police. I am right. Mm, yeah, yeah. To answer that, right, to answer that man's question, no, I am not no. a betting man. <laughs> <laughs> and I will, uh, I will not test my luck on that. Oh, one. Shit. Bro, you brought a tear out with that one. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was good. Yeah. Um, well, I say that because the amount of people who freaking. Traveling and passing people on the right lane out here in Florida is insane. Oh, yeah. Sometimes you have to because people get in the left lane and they just like because the left lane is supposed to be for passing mm -hmm. and then you go back to the middle or whatever. But you know people, where that's not the normal people thing? just is up north. What? Yeah. In New England. I, I, that's not I a thing in, in New left England. Lane. <laughs> that's not a thing well, in New England. Well, I mean, I do yeah. too, but because I'm passing people. Right. I'm going. If somebody. <laughs> I'm if constantly I'm, passing people. I yes. Am. If I I'm in the left it, lane. If I'm in the left lane and I'm going 85, right? Yeah. I usually use like cruise control or something. I just sit on 85 yeah. and I just go. If someone pulls up behind me and they're trying to go faster, I get over. Oh, yeah. Let them go. And then I get back over into the left lane. However, if I'm the opposite end, right? If someone's in the left lane going 80, 85, whatever, and they're not moving, I'm going to go around them. And sometimes you got to go into that right lane and do that. <laughs> I hate that shit. This People, is true. Yeah. They'll, they'll create a little wall. Yes. I hate when two people, two cars speed are right wall. next to each other yes. going the same speed. Going or what's even worse? Going 90 miles an hour pretty much. What, what fills me, fills my heart with more like bile and filth <laughs> than anything in this planet is when somebody is in the left lane going slow as fuck and I'm like trying to go around them and then all of a sudden... They find out where their gas pedal is just long enough for them to match the guy in front of me who I would need to, like, get right behind in order to, like, get in front of this guy. Yep. And then as soon as the gap becomes small enough for me not to be able to pass in front of them, they just start going slow as fuck again. It's like instinctual. Like I, I I've done it. It's so the crab, I know crab that it's, bucket thing. They, 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 yeah. You can't, you can't go faster than me. No, no, yeah, no, no. yeah, seriously. It's like yes, I know I'm going ten under the speed limit, but also fuck you. But like, <laughs> you, know, you know, it's like, but to be like, I was about to say, like I know because I've done it. People like look like they're trying to pass me, and I'm not like being a dickhead driver, or at least I don't feel like it. I do kind of reflexively, especially if I'm on autopilot, kind of like match their speed. 
more so on like an instinct of oh somebody's going fast now I can get away with going fast right but yeah. like these are old people old people fucking suck especially Florida old mm. people which is why we put them at homes shout out Stuart <laughs> uh, we got like yeah we've got like yeah fucking a dozen plus old people storage facilities storage. here elderly <laughs> yeah. storage. Yeah, for the ones that are too poor to live in a condo out in Hutchinson Island, we just stick them in a box in like a storage unit, you know, with people that bring them food and shit. That's that's what Stewart's so good morbid for. to think about, but it's, yeah, it's true. It's a it's a parking lot with just nothing but plazas and old people storage, and a bunch of kava bars apparently. <laughs> um, that's Stewart. Oh, Gotta love it. Um, but fuck, what was I talking about? We were you traffic. pulled them a go. True, yeah. 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 <laughs> Did you sleep last night? <laughs> Honestly, oh, no. Man. I just drank like three cups of coffee before I got here. Oh, yeah. Well, I slept a little bit, but that's not that's not a uh, interesting podcast discussion. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> well, shit. Uh, let's talk about what what do you got upcoming? Up and coming, I have um, okay. Um, so now we're starting with the whole live streaming, uh, live broadcast, live broadcasting, um, bringing it back to what I'm trying to do with Groovy Promo now is really turning into more like a showcasing kind mm -hmm. of thing, and um, just work with pretty much any artist in a sense along the lines of the sounds that I'm trying to push, you know, um, and what what's your plan with the actual live streaming part? My plan with the live streaming is eventually to de develop a channel where anybody could tune in and, you know, it's almost like having the parties, but just online and anybody could tune in from anywhere in the world, uh, which is a big plus because it's exposure for the DJ and for Groovy Promo as a whole and everything um, I'm trying to do with it. Um, Are you shooting for like a... Uh uh like live stream um like set like specific times where you're gonna go live for this amount of time or are you talking about like a like a twenty four seven thing where you constantly have someone playing? Definitely gonna have a uh, specific time. So it'll still be uh pretty much like an event okay kind of thing. Yeah. I wanna tune in at this time for yes, these sets yes. type of thing. Um so okay. I, I have my first one will be um Sunday the thirtieth. Right, I believe I have that right. Sunday the thirtieth from three p.m. to eight p.m. And this is Today's actually the twenty third. Let's see if I can get this out before then, so people know. <laughs> right, right. Um, I um, we're we're doing an event in Cocoa Beach, and I'll be do. We'll have uh, four DJs performing, and we'll do the live stream from three to eight. And my whole idea with the whole showcasing and the live streaming is um, just to put out content out there. Um, so pretty much I'll, I'll have the live stream that I'll be able to use as a video, uh, you know, to, to kind of like showcase the artists as well. Mm -hmm. um, I myself will be taking videos and pictures where I will create more content for, for the artists. Um, and um, also I want to do like interview style so we kind of get to know the artists more. And I think that's where we are lacking a lot when it comes to all these DJs is that they don't know how to get the personality. I was, out I was literally just talking to Patrick shout out Shamrock entertainment about this the other night where I was like, I feel like 
the biggest issue with like the way that these events are being marketed I'm talking about his specifically and mine like with the last one even with the cool flyer is the fact that you can have like the coolest flyer and the best production but like you have all these random names on there but nothing demonstrating to the audience why they would want to come out. It's kind of resting on the presumption that these people have their own audiences and are doing their own marketing that will bring people out when the promotion company so, is the one with the platform that should be, you know, selling these performers to... That's part know. of what I enjoy about doing this podcast, actually, is, is like, talking to artists and musicians and whatnot and getting to tap more deeper into who they are as people... Uh, Promoting their skill and their craft and whatnot, but as but going a little bit deeper than that. Yes, mm -hmm. yes, yes, and that's exactly where I want to take it. Go a little deeper, uh, dive a little deeper into the music, into the artists, the DJs. Um, like I said, I feel like there's uh, there's so many DJs nowadays that we I feel like we don't know anything about any of them. You know, like we and probably like know the music that they play. But as far as them, like, why you? I guess that's the the making it personable, mm -hmm. where it's the reason why you love that DJ. Is maybe it's because he does something a certain way, or because maybe he likes certain sneakers, like you like certain sneakers. It could be anything. There's some type much. of relatability. Yes, yeah, that connection that that makes. And you I feel like that would go a long way, especially for something like what you're doing, where you do have a steady roster of people. Uh, like just having, especially in today's era of like short form content, just having like a little real blurb of like like a very, like a one minute long kind of interview slash demonstration. It's like you know, of like you and of Caleb and you know, Murris and you know I, and me and whoever else you have like on your roster. You know, just to kind of like have be like, hey. This this show is gonna have this person, this person, this person. Check out their blurbs here, here, and here mm -hmm. to like get a feel for like what they're about, you know. And then you can like and add on to that earlier on. That's something on. that small and even medium level artists should be taking advantage more a lot, a lot more because they because they're not huge at the highest levels. They are more accessible to just the average person, and they should sort of take advantage of that and like yeah. get their personality out there more and you know now that i'm thinking about it uh after this really it's only caleb that hasn't been on this podcast True. you know as far yeah. as like the long form version of that's already taken care of you could have like the and then you can have that we can have that like little cross-pollination symbiosis thing going on where like if you were to make those like little one minute blurbs like marketing each artist you know then you can kind of like you know if you want to learn more you know go to the ops podcast you know go yeah. check them out we got our interviews yes. all up there you know, and you can kind of like tap into what we're like really about, you know, and then makes things really personable. And that's what podcasts are really good for. And then you kind of like, it's weird how like nowadays, like it's either really long form content that finds success or the really short form. Isn't that you weird? Right? Yeah, yeah, it's You're kind right. of like that kind of in between, you know, whereas before the meta used to be like what the 10 minute, the meta, 10 to 20 you know? minute range yeah. used to be like what was the biggest thing like if we're talking like particularly like YouTube at least yeah. whereas that, now for it's a while, TikToks or live streams you yeah, know it's, it's like, yeah shorts. TikToks exactly, a yeah. minute or less or two hours plus yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Like, like there's where, where's the in between <laughs> it's weird yeah. Instagram not, not that I'm complaining Instagram um, I'm always you know I'm always like trying to do research how to grow the business as well yeah 
And uh, I Instagram posted out like a little bit of information with like the new algorithm, where really? where their uh, their reels, the 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 ones that are getting the most attention, are less than seven seconds, I believe, mm. or more than or in, right in between forty to fifty seconds. So not even a full sixty seconds, and not even a full ten seconds. That's I imagine weird. it's probably because. The ones that are succeeding the most are the things that hook you as quick as possible right in the beginning. Yeah, so and that has yeah. instant draw. That has to be like an average thing for it to be like that. Like I'm sure there's a lot of successful one minute long reels out there, but there's probably like oh, yeah. enough like Vine esque content. Are, were you, are you familiar with Vine at all? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, the six second videos, the ones that are just like short, sweet, to the point, you know, mild setup, punchline. I, I sort of miss that that six second like limit like tiktok yeah. sort of tried to take take advantage of like short form content but the, the it's a lot more flexible with the time i sort of miss that six second restriction because it yeah. kind of forced you to be more intentional it's kind of like when twitter used to be restricted to like what was it 124 100 characters 140 140 or 144 or something, something like, that. like that yeah but the, where and now it's, now like, it's double to yeah, something 200 something 280. Like it completely changed the ecosystem yeah you know, whereas people had to be very tactful and specific with their words to a, to a degree. Um, you know, Twitter, as far as tactful is concerned, but you know, they had to be a lot. You, you had to be a, a little bit more clever. They're changing their branding soon. They're, <laughs> they're they? changing from Twitter to X. To what? X. Elon Musk is uh, is rebranding it to X. To X, X. something. Yo, what the fuck, they're bro? coming up. The heat, I was. Well, what I was you want to get on X? No, what is I was, happening? When I was going, social media. Right when I was now, going to the bro. bathroom earlier, I was looking at Twitter a little bit, and I saw a couple of tweets from Elon talking about how if someone presents a really good logo by today, we'll launch tomorrow. Like they're doing it like now. Like they're changing the, the whole Twitter and blur, the bird. Like all that stuff is like going out, and it's going to be rebranded. I get. I mean, I. My immediate response is like, damn, that's kind of crazy and dumb. But also, Twitter does not have a good reputation. <laughs> no. It's kind of like if I were to, uh, you know, like like we've discussed before, if, if uh, a certain spot were to go under uh, and I were to somehow commandeer it, given its reputation, the first thing on the docket would be to rebrand it. Yeah. <laughs> like, just because of the stank on that that, mm. that name. You know well, I mean? X, the the like name of X actually goes back pretty far because uh, when Elon, Elon was part of the PayPal team, right? Early yeah. on. Uh, he was they, one of the founders. It used members, to be X.com. PayPal used to just be X. Really? Yeah, it was X.com. When it, when it first launched, and then eventually, I don't know how long it stayed like that, but it eventually got rebranded to PayPal, and then that whole like just X thing has like been like a thing for a while in like stuff Elon's worked on, mm -hmm. SpaceX. True. Yeah. Yeah. And now Twitter's just gonna be X something. I think it's probably just X like well, by itself. It doesn't affect me because I don't use that shit. I um, I do. Yeah. Just I'm, for promotional reasons. Yeah, and right. shitposting reasons. And I probably would eventually for exclusively marketing and promotional reasons, but like the only social media that I can stand at, at all is Instagram and Facebook exclusively at this point for Facebook Marketplace. I have a hard time. Like, I don't have any, I have like favorites when it comes to social media, but I, I, I just have a hard time. I would be on all of them if I could. It's just I don't have the time 
like to commit to taking advantage of each one yeah, in the exactly. way that they should be prioritized, yeah. you know, because yeah. like the way you cure, the way you put out content on Facebook is different than the way you do it on Twitter. Yeah. And it's different from the way you do it on Instagram. Yeah. And that's different mm-hmm. from the way you do and it on people, TikTok. People have like full time jobs that allow them to afford houses to doing that. I know. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know. Like I was gonna pay someone to do all this for me, and then I lost my job that was paying me well. But can't do that. So now I'm just doing it on my own. Sleepy but, um, boy. Yeah, sleepyhead. Um, uh, let's pivot this to a question to you. What's this like? What's the like? What's been your, like your experience like learning the actual promo aspect of all of what you're doing? You were born with the groove. Where did the promo emerge? Yeah. Every everything collectively. It's it's a lot. It's a lot. Uh, the whole organizing aspect of it, from getting with the venue, getting with the artists, getting with, I guess, every, everything, little tedious um, elements that pretty much put the event together. Um, it, it's a lot. It's a lot. Even when it comes down to me creating my own content, you know, it, it's, it's, like you said, um, just getting on different platforms it, it it does take a lot of time mm-hmm. and uh that's why i actually focus on just instagram at the moment um where i do all of my promotion i do a lot of my my networking socializing right through instagram um that way you're getting a lot you're getting a, probably a lot more done on one rather than splitting yourself thin across yes. multiple things also, because uh, when I first started, I really wanted to stay like niche market and really be here like in the local market, mm-hmm. mainly Florida. Um, and then uh, now it's now since I want to go the whole uh, live broadcasting route, now it's more open to, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily. <coughs> before I was, I, I don't exactly want to go viral. Now it's like I actually want my artist to go viral. And um, that that's my my idea behind it and um also what i what i'm gonna do is uh record the music from the live stream and kind of put it like a podcast like a radio basically and it'll be um it'll be groovy promo presents artist so let's say um trey for instance tempest groovy promo presents tempest and I want to showcase and focus on one artist this first event i'm doing four artists um mainly because it was an event that we already had going on. So I was like, you know, let this be the first one. And uh, I'll try to get as many, as much content from this first event. Uh, but what I, my main goal is to really kind of like focus on one, maybe two DJs and put the spotlight on them, basically. And that's where the whole interview aspect comes from. Mm. Uh, that's where the whole... Um, the radio, uh, the the mix recording where I'll put it up as a, a radio podcast and uh, people could come on to Groovy Promo and learn about the artist through Groovy Promo or vice versa. If they didn't know about Groovy Promo, but they know about the artist. So, you know, it'll be vice versa because I'm, I'm pretty much trying to build the content to put that artist out there. Mm-hmm. So whether, whether they... Uh, you know, post it or not, or whatever the case is, I'm giving it to them so they can use it and pretty much use that con- that content to boost themselves as well. And, and we all benefit from mm-hmm. from it at the end yeah, of the you're day. You're offering them the platform; it's just up to them to actually step on it. Yes, like- yes, yes. And, and 
you know, like I said, it, I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm exactly copying, but I'm being inspired by multiple aspects, like Boiler Room. You know, I get inspired from Boiler Room. I get inspired from the horror Berlin uh, shows that go on out there. And I get inspired from all of them, and I, I try to, like, take little pieces, little <laughs> bits of pieces that I, I truly like that I kind of want to, like, use those elements and kind of form what Groovy po- no, promo that's, will eventually but that's be. where the finesse comes in. That yes. is the finesse. That is the yes. artistry because that is... Uh, Stealing like an artist, not not the book by fucking Austin Kleon, that corny ass, you know, pop, whatever the b- bullshit, top New York Times, get that shit out of my face, that book <laughs> sucks. But like the actual ethos of stealing like an artist, which he does touch on, but it's not his idea, fuck that guy, uh, you know, is kind of he like... He stole that idea? Like an artist. <laughs> uh, he is kind of like taking inspiration from as broad, as, from whatever inspires you, yes. whatever leaves an impression... St- like un- developing an understanding of what left that impression and how you can reappropriate that towards your own goals and your own ends. Because I've done the same thing, like what I was talking about with using flyer marketing techniques, like from these metal and punk shows, and then thinking about shows from like you know these these huge bombastic theatrics to literally just playing in a pitch dark room. You know, it's like all these different things, and and I've learned a lot from watching um, like Pete and Bradley and how they operate with the Sacralist sessions, and from you know being more closely associated with Patrick and Shamrock, you know, and just being in the shits of it, like with the uh, with the open mic here, uh, you know, rip. And and throwing events and organizing events here, rip, uh, you know, for as long as I was, and like that was a great learning experience, you know, because I did, it did kind of like because I had all these inspiration and all these ideas, but it was kind of like a proof of concept of like, it was the, the trial that illuminated a lot of errors, you know, and I've learned the trial a lot. run is right now. What the trial run has expired. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. yeah. Now, the, now the white noise is starting to play. The white noise has been playing for the past like month or two, and now I gotta like you know. Are you gonna activate your monthly subscription? Nope, I canceled that shit. <laughs> I, that I, I, I deleted serum. Sign, sign, I in, sign in with yeah. a new email and <laughs> deleted serum and installed Vital instead. Yeah, there you Oops. Go. sucks to suck. Uh, but yeah, I still have Vital sitting on my computer. I haven't touched it. Shout yeah. out Vital, out here for the culture. <laughs> Free serum. Um, is that Jay Z's one? No, it's no, a that's uh, title. Actually. Title. Yeah. Title. Yeah, we're ta- it's a vital is a VST. It's an instru- it's a synthesizer, oh, okay. virtual synthesizer, which gets into a question I want to ask. If I may, oh, go ahead. Are you still making music? I feel um, like that's a very important one. Yeah, yeah. Production wise, not fully, but I I 100% do create lots of loops and like skeletons in my machine, native instrument machine. Mm. Um, most recently, I actually did connect. I plugged it into the the, the decks, um, onto, you know, the channel four or whatnot. Nice. And uh, started yeah. playing like my own my own beats from the machine directly into the into the the mixer, and um, just messing with it, you know, muting the drums and then building it up. Mm-hmm. And you know, obviously, you know exactly what what yep. I'm talking about. Um, I haven't done a full track yet. But it's definitely on the agenda. Just feel like you need a whole lot of time for that. Hold up, bro. 
Oh, well, hey, as it just so, as it just so happens, I happen to have a lot more time now. Hey, okay. <laughs> so I mean, hey, I'd be down for you know, more, you know, lab out some stuff with you. I still gotta rebuild my um, my, but once I get my my studio space built out, like, cause I I got some stuff I gotta move into like where I'm at right now, and then I just gotta mostly like my desk, and then once I have my desk set up, I can set up all my equipment where I want it, and I'm just gonna have people coming out. You know, labbing stuff out with me in my space. You oh, know, yeah. that's yeah. I work on those two collab EPs we talked about. Yes. <laughs> what, what was the one? It was, First I one is Return, Return to, to Monkey, Monkey Dust. Dust, and the second one is Banter with the Void. Yes. Oh, that's gonna be a good one. That's a hard. That's yeah. hard as fuck. <laughs> yeah, I meant to type in Banter with the Banter with the Boys, B O I S, but then it auto corrected to Void, <laughs> in like a DM in a group chat thing. Yeah. And I was just like, you know what? That's hard as fuck. EP title. <laughs> yeah, EP title. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Literally me every time I take mushrooms. <laughs> hey, hey, brother. Hey, the bottomless abyss. What's happening, brother? What's up? <laughs> My man. <laughs> you haven't stared back since the last time I stared at you. All right? Why don't you look at me anymore when we're, when we're bantering? <laughs> uh, was there any more on, on the production stuff you wanted to talk about? Uh, no, no. I definitely do want to get back into it. Um, I feel like this day and age, uh, we're in a different game. You know, uh, before it used to be these labels actually used to put a lot of um, backing into artists. Now they don't give a shit about any of that. They want you to pretty much have everything done. As a matter of fact, specifically with EDM and, and uh, house music, techno music, labels, what they do now, they, 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 um, they take charge of uh, publishing. Um, they just so expect yeah. you to it's take care of all of everything yourself. It's curation. That's really that's really it. Um, mm -hmm. They 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 take take uh they take charge of the publishing, and they pretty much put your work out there. They 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 promote your mm -hmm. your work in hopes to sell, so we can all make money basically. Um, nowadays we don't live in a time where labels are actually pushing artists like, hey, this is. Um, like for instance, like uh, we have labels like uh, let's say uh, Adam Bear with Drum Code, and you got like Alan Fitzpatrick and uh, Harvey McKay and all that them on there. And um, back then, it used to be like a collective, a whole a whole group, and they would all you know it was all Drum Code. And where it's now, it's more labels are more music. You know, it's it's more what tracks are on there. Now it's a bunch of yeah. DJs. It's mm -hmm. a variety of DJs. The few times that I've seen that attempted in the modern era, it usually, like, where, like, they tried to start a, a label that was that, where they would invest into these artists uh, in the hopes of, like, re getting mutual returns. Almost always it ended up becoming, like, th an, a, a, an experiment of throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks. As opposed to like, because what I think a lot of the the difference between a label that succeeds and fails at doing that is the the element of curation, where like if you have a very specific sound and a niche that you can carve out, then investing into those artists that meet that standard or are or occupy that niche is a is an easy win, assuming that there's enough of an audience for that. Yeah. But like the biggest example of this that I can think of would be Ausla, Skrillex's label. Okay. Um it's like he started that and it started out where he brought in like a bunch of artists from a bunch of different styles of yeah. like, you know, dance music that was like big at the time. Um but what ended up happening is that like I know from the outside looking in, it would seem that a lot of the artists that he invested into 
just fell the fuck off. Mm. Like either they, for one reason or another, that I can't, you know, I, I, whatever. Or they just didn't, their careers didn't blow up as much as they could. And then they started slowly evolving from this kind of like group of like curated artists and like talent into just sort of like, you know, Skrillex presents this today's collection of bullshit. You know, here's your, your, your slop. Here's your playlist. Yes. Your, your Owls La Radio <laughs> yes. episode, fucking whatever the hell, featuring. I mean, it's the new formula. We're not, yeah. you know, it's now everything is streaming. You know, yeah, and it's the playlistification in music. Streaming is also a huge. It's, it's like um, what is it, bittersweet? You know, because as much as streaming and the platforms that that allow the streaming, they they put you out there, they give you exposure, but they also don't pay and they also don't properly. You know, it's like man. it's like streaming. It's makes like getting it, into politics right now. My bad, man. Well, no, it's well. It's, this is val- This is like good politics. Yes, in, like, yes, yeah. yes. Internet and streaming culture, like, makes it easier to for you to get your stuff out there to more people. But it also, at the same time, almost makes it matter less. Mm-hmm. Yes, it almost yes. devalues it in a way. Yeah, but that's a, it, but that's where I feel like a lot of people aren't ma- to tie that all the way back into what we were talking about initially. It's because, like, with how available the tools are to make music, now the value of that music comes in not just the curation of the sound, but the curation of the experience that that sound is tied to. Mm -hmm. That's what really makes it stick out. That's why you see, like, all these, like... All these songs that popped off and become, like, huge hits off of TikTok, it's because they usually... there are set us, you know, like a short segment of sounds that just so happen to like, you know, imitate a for something that could be a meme format. And there's enough videos like th- this sound reflects, you know, it is kind of akin to certain thing that happens a lot in videos to where you can just put the sound over a bunch of different videos of, with similar pacing to it. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you got a meme. You know, and then that's what ends up kind of pushing that song into, you know, prominence. Popular culture. Yeah, you know, and so that's it on, like, a micro level, and obviously that's, like, flash in a pan popularity where, you know, everybody knows the song, but nobody knows the artist, you know, type shit. The biggest example, I mean, like, the first time that I saw that really uh, massive trend surround a specific song was that song Black Beetle. Black Beatles, whatever, with um, uh, Ray Shrimmerd. Where it was that, it was that trend of like, um, you pan the camera around and everybody's like frozen. Oh, you remember that? Oh, yes, that girl was a real light man. Yeah, the Ray Shrimmerd shit. Um, yeah, uh, oh, I, I mean, maybe it's just me being an ancient old man, but you know, my, my first, uh, <laughs> obviously there were trends before, but I, the first one that I can think of that like broke out and became Sweet kind of that short form viral meme format standard. I'm, tr- I, I, I know that there are ones beforehand, but this is just the most prominent one that I think really busted into the mainstream more than any was the, um, the Harlem shake. Yes. I that was a little bit different only because it was popularized like by a YouTuber though. But you think about what the Harlem Shake is and it is effectively a TikTok meme. Yeah, you're correct. You're completely like right. Half a decade before TikTok yeah. was even conceived. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and because it was that kind of around the same time Vine was, mm -hmm. you know, where it's just like you have this format, you have the sound that has this pace and this like plot to it, and it's then funny. visual matches audio and just and there's just enough there's like enough visual that matches the pacing of this audio to where you can like paste it to like a bunch of different contexts and then it just sticks in your brain based on that. Funny to think that that was fucking filthy Frank that did that, dude. <laughs> right? This how do the that's a whole nother conversation, Filthy Frank. That man's influence on just everything until he decided it, to do his own thing and then just fell off the face of the earth, kind of. I um, mean, he's still, he's still doing his thing and popular in his niche, but he's not as big as, like, widespread as he was. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. I just thought it was... I always like to nowhere, think nowhere. about... Like we're, we're stopping that conversation, Filthy Frank. <laughs> <laughs> it has nothing to do with this. You don't know who Filthy Frank is, right? No, I don't. Word, get over it. Anyway. <laughs> so, uh... You should know who he well, is. Who is he? Uh, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, don't, worry about it. don't worry about it. Zoomer bullshit, kind of. Anyway. Yeah, well. I got to get him on the lineup. <laughs> bro, bro, we can get Joji on the lineup, bro. Yo, Holy shit. That's lit. That actually would be huge. Crazy. That would be big. Yeah, that would be very big. <laughs> get him to rap. Bro, imagine if he came out as Pink Omega. Yo, pink, pink guy. Pink guy. Oh, my God. Okay, after the podcast, I'll show you what we're talking about, and it'll make sense. <laughs> um, pink guy, groovy promo for incense, pink guy. That would be kind of sick. What the fuck? That would be so hard. <laughs> that would be so stupid. Anyway. That would be hard. Yeah. He'd be hard. Anyway. Probably would be. Um, did you have anything else? Um, I wanted to get to our one of our closing topics. You know what it is. Do I? Yes, you do. I ask every guest. Ah, that's true. Thing. But um, before I get to that, do you have anything else? Well, as I alluded to earlier, I, I like anything else as far as what like um, just any anything. You know, there's stuff I want to talk about business-wise with you, like off the record, not necessarily off the record, but like more thoroughly off air, not podcast conversation. Yeah. Um, but I, I learned a lot about this. Is like one of the more like involved that I've been in an interview. Uh, I I really appreciate this. This has been a great episode. I think. Um, I guess it was for me, fun. Yeah, it was a good one. Uh, as far as uh, I guess me personally, uh, due to reasons, uh, I have a lot more free time nowadays and am going to actually be working on a lot more music. Um, so hopefully, you know, I should have uh, a good amount of stuff going and ready to prepare for shows coming up soon. That's exciting. Got a lot of collaborations in the works. That's exciting. A lot of plans with the live shows and stuff like that. So that's exciting. Um, you know, I know we're talking about, you know, how everybody's a DJ and, you know, the oversaturation, meme, you know, standardization. But I think that I can very safely say in a way that isn't corny or compensating for a lack of actually doing things that I indeed truly big things coming. TM. I think is a, it's the best way to describe Big it. Big things. Big things coming. Oh, yes. Everybody says that, but I mean it. <laughs> oh yes. And uh, so that's that's and I feel like it's for for everybody for uh, you know for Miguel as well and everybody else. There seems to be a uh, an alignment of things leading to this culture really blowing the fuck up like it you like it did like back in the day mm -hmm. but like this resurgence and we're all kind of like caught in the middle of it which is extremely exciting uh yeah. to be involved in. we're we're yeah. in the middle of some shit that like 
of, in a couple of decades, like our kids and stuff are going to be like, oh man, it would have been cool to be at, be in the middle of that. Yeah. We're living that shit right now. Right. We're forming yeah. our own version of that. Mm-hmm. That's what yes. I always I always yes. like to think about, like, side, little side tangent right now. When you were talking about earlier about, like, being born, like, just after, like, a certain, like, era, that's, I think about that in the sense of, well, I'm living my own era right now. I got to yeah. appreciate what's going yep. on right now. Yep. Because... My kids are gonna look at what I went through and be like, "Shit, that was cool." Hopefully, you know. Well, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, you know you're, what I mean, though. You are a podcaster. What the <laughs> cringe? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when they got like holograms and shit. When they got like holograms and shit, and they're gonna be like, or like meant like direct to, yeah. uh, like. They don't got. We don't got directed TV. We got direct to brain. Like yeah, by upload. then that'll be the equivalent to us of being like a fucking um, a Morse code. Tel- stenographer or whatever yeah. the fuck stenographer <laughs> you know it was the fucking I know what you're talking about yeah, 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 Tec- yeah. like a Morse code technician technician yeah but I don't know that's all I, I have to say okay final say. thing that I ask every guest it's, 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 a, it's a theme do you have and it's okay if you don't no pressure you don't have to make up anything do you have any experiences with aliens or UFOs or ghosts spirits paranormal Wild dreams or visions or anything of this type of nature. Me personally, no. Roll credits. I'm just but, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I feel like I've been surrounded by it so much. I'm just not the the type of person to like believe in it. Like I believe in I believe in God or you know, I believe in the works. I don't I believe in in uh I guess now who knows what to believe in nowadays? That's the better thing. That's the better way to go about it. Cause mm-hmm. um nowadays I feel like we just again, information is plentiful and it's at everybody's access, you know. So you gotta make sure that the information is 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 good pretty much. It's got a filter. Oh yeah, definitely. Um but me, um I never really experienced um anything like that even like my, my four-year-old more recently she now wants to sleep in in the bed with us and she says because there's a monster in the room so i want to say that the place where i'm living now is haunted because it used to be um it used to be a uh, living quarters for um military air force mm. And apparently, exactly where I'm living, it was like all the big heads, like the pilots and the mate, the big people of the Air Force used to live in those houses. Interesting. Um, so we want to say that it's a whole lot of history where we live and it may be haunted. And my daughter might might see, and my dog too, my dog too, where they like kind of like bug out a little bit. And she's really? telling me that there's a monster. What What room. is she experience like if she told you like she hears noises or sees something or she sees a monster oh yeah that's so I, uh, like under the bed type situation or in the dark she says that bed? It, it, she says that is her nightmare but okay mm. she's I, I don't know i don't know uh she says it's it's her nightmare but she also like kind of like visualizes it to the point where it's like damn Art, do you see something i mean yeah. kids it, there is something to be said about kids being like tapped into certain like perceptions of reality that we as adults who are like so conditioned by life you know just aren't really like privy to 
Because yeah, I remember as a kid very distinctly seeing some shit that was very obviously paranormal that at the time when I, my little smooth child brain just like, <laughs> yep, there's a fucking, there's like dead ass an angel before me that I am seeing with my very eyes and robes and all. I'm looking right at him and communing with him. Hey, mom, look at this guy. And she's like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like... And, like, I remember that shit. I, and, like, it was, you know, and I've heard plenty of other experiences of that shit happening uh, or plenty of other instances, other people's experiences with that same kind of situation happening, especially with children. Uh, you know, for the reasons I said, it's, like, a lot of... Um, Actually, I think I got to switch my answer. Yeah? <laughs> I think it's a yes now. You want to know why? want to say I was maybe about 20 years old and... um I used to go to the rooftop of my building a lot and uh, used to take the girls there. I used to do graffiti up there and all mm. that stuff. And um, this one time, it was me and this my, my little girlfriend at the time, and we were smoking a joint, and we were laying down on top of the roof and looking up into the clouds and all that. And me and her both saw, like, literally identical Albert Einstein in the clouds. Hmm. But when I tell you that it was like literally a hundred percent perfect depiction of, of what the you know, like like God painted Albert Einstein out of clouds basically. And that's kinda wild. That is we weren't on drugs, we weren't yeah. doing it. <laughs> it was nothing like that at all. We were just smoking and we both noticed it. We like it was that like that distinctive. So what a random that, thing. Say, it's like hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What? <laughs> what does it mean? <laughs> Have I been enlightened? Yeah. <laughs> I said, whoa, Einstein be upon ye. Whoa, yeah, Einstein be upon <laughs> That's the podcast name right there. <laughs> whoa, Einstein be upon Einstein be upon you. <laughs> oh, God. He watches over you with the... With <laughs> yes, the, the spirit of Einstein watches over your blessed existence. <laughs> oh, man, I just got the only visual of, you know how it's like... Jesus, where he holds it, but it's Einstein instead, <laughs> holding a prayer hand. Yeah. <laughs> your your physics equations. The altar that your average Redditor prays to every night. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's funny. We got on the topic of like uh, uh, kids being more um, sensitive to uh, like paranormal things because I, I, in my adult life, I've never had. Or like teens and adult life, I never really had any uh, crazy experiences. Like I've seen lights once and once or twice, and I'm like, "Where's that going? It's moving weird." But nothing like that freaked me out, or nothing that was like unexplainable. Yeah. Um, except when I was a child, like really young. Um, I'm sure I've told these stories before. I'm not. I'm gonna give the short version. Uh, one was on two different occasions. I had like visions that were like put like sh struck me in the moment put into my brain that I could tell what cuz like kids like you know you have a very like active imagination stuff will just pop in your head and you're pretending yeah. and playing and whatever but I had two distinct experiences where visions were just like put into my head in that moment like a dream that were not conjured up by me like it was just it appeared like this thing appeared to me um not that like something appeared physically in front of me, but just like a vision of like certain events happening played out in my head. And I was like, this is, this was not my, like, I did not come up with this. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, like God just like beamed this into my head right for that moment. 
Um, and then the other thing was, so my real dad left my mom before I was born, and then she married someone, and then he died. The the guy she married um, uh, took his own life, and I, I as a child, you know, I didn't know that. I just thought it was normal. Like my life, I, I was just growing up normal, right? Yeah. Um, but my mom, or uh, I forget if it was my mom or my grandma, probably my grandma. She would like to decorate her house with a lot of like antique stuff, and she had like old like rotary phones. And as a kid, I would play with them. And she told me that one time, as like a two, three, four year old, somewhere in that range, that I was playing on the phone, and that I said that I was talking to my dad, even on a phone that was not connected to anything, that I didn't even know if he like who my dad was even. That's the weird thing to me about like the angel story is because like I that's something that I had to remind my parents about and she and they confirmed it. My my parents being my mom and my grandma because uh, I didn't grow up with a dad either. You know, shout out anyway. Uh, but fucking <laughs> shout out dad. Shout out yeah. that guy. Anyway, did you get the milk yet? Yeah, you know, he's are, still are still all, out there. Are we all bastards in this room? Basically, yeah. right on, bro. Hell Let's yeah. go, yes. bastard squad. Yes. Let's go. Oh, uh, it. <laughs> yeah. uh, nah, but like, but I remember, you know, being too young to know anything about like God or the Bible or even what the fucking angel was, let alone the name of the arch archangels or anything like that. I remember robed, bright robed figure named Gabriel speak like, like interacting with me in my room as a child. And it's like it's one of those like first things you remember, like that, like you when your soul like enters your body and you like you first wake become up in a aware. cold sweat and you're like, oh my god, I'm at, I'm I'm really out, I'm really in this bitch, yeah. you know, type type <laughs> shit, you know. It's like, it, and I like I asked my parents about it like years later, and they're like, yeah, no, I we remember that happening, like you were talking to somebody, you know, and and like it was it was fucking strange. You know, and uh, I, I still don't have any explanation for it other than the fact that that just it just happened, you know, and it's cool. I was visited by mm -hmm. an angel, I guess. Um, I don't know why I would be, <laughs> but I guess really maybe the, the, those angels really liked weird IDM and drone music and really <laughs> just, <laughs> just like, you know what, you're going to fucking you're going to make some wacky sounds. Like, go go do your thing. <laughs> I dub the sound boy. Yeah, sound boy. <laughs> Bo, bo. <laughs> <laughs> From the techno gods. I yes. imagine like the angel like disappears through a portal as like a bass drop is happening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just straight down the fucking overdrive bass. <laughs> oh yeah, play that shit. Alright, cool. Played it. <laughs> Thanks, post production Devin. <laughs> there you go, I'll play it right there. Yeah. Anyway. Um, well, I think that concludes the podcast for today. We're, we've gone nicely, comfortably over two hours. Um, feels like we could go on for another, like, three. For real. Holy shit. Um, I need to go get some sleep. For <laughs> real. I'm going to sleep midday today because I have another podcast to do tonight. Um, everybody listening, if you made it through to the end here, follow the podcast on 
Twitter or X or whatever the fuck it's going to be called. Follow it on X specifically. <laughs> follow us on Threads. Follow on Threads. Yes. Threads. Instagram. Follow us on MySpace. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> LinkedIn. Zynga. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Check out our worlds.com hit, server. Hit me up on Farmville. Second Life. Uh, RuneScape. <laughs> RuneScape. Uh, no, but for real, Twitter, Instagram, Threads. Uh, those, are the, those are the main th- aim. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ghost on uh, the Ox at hotmail.com. Patreon.com slash Ghost on the Ox. You can also submit us questions. I forgot to bring this up for a while. Submit us questions. You can do that on Linktree. Um, on, if you go to our Linktree, there is a button you can hit to email us questions with a template where you are. You can be anonymous if you want to be and all that. So do that. Um, that would be fun. Um Trey, anything to plug, promote, etc. Big things coming. There you go. Big things coming. Um, I want to promote groovypromo.co.co, not .com, .co. Um, that's going to be the hub for pretty much everything. Like I said, the showcasing, the the radio, the videos, the live broadcasting, everything is going to be... Uh, pretty much branched out from groovypromo.co. So that, that's what I'm promoting. It doesn't have anything to do with Miguel Finesse. Um, groovy promo. That's that's pretty much what we're doing over here. And all groovy all the time. Oh, yeah. So we're going to stay groovy. We're going to stay like, groovy. You, you we're going to keep it funky. You got to embed the uh, Ghost in the Ox episodes with y'all on it. Yeah. Yours, Miris, uh, Kale's when he's on there, mine. Oh, yeah. Just like oh, embed yeah, that definitely. on the website. Oh, yeah. I sure will. I Very sure cool. will. Oh, yeah. Give the shout out and everything. Oh, yeah. Got a nice little spot right on the website. Click here for the podcast. Dope. Oh, yeah. Um, anything else? Plur. Plur. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Oh, go ahead. I forgot to do this beforehand. Oh. Um, but, uh, you know, in the previous once or twice I've been on the podcast since we lost a great man, uh, pouring out for Ted Kaczynski. Oh, true. Gone but not forgotten. If my music career fails, then my only other option is to move out into the middle of the forest and in a shed that I built for myself and start mailing dubious packages. <laughs> he was a very, he was an inspiration to us all and uh, he will be missed. Rip Uncle Ted. Wash your hands. Drink water. Ted Kaczynski was right. Oh my God, we all know that.